dude, if I had the force, I would be force feeding pears to to every lady that walked by, man. I'd be showing that off. You know what I that mean? sounds a whole lot different without out the you, side the context you're of Star Wars. Using that word in a way, it's <laughs> yeah. That that word's not meant the same way. Please, please, right. somebody get that episode and use it somewhere. <laughs> Welcome to Star Wars Man Podcast. This is episode number 42. Another debate episode. Final uh, debate episode. Us, the final, the final debate. Uh, joining us is, uh, oh, well, I'm Brian Seddon. I forgot to introduce myself, uh, your host. Uh, I'm joined by my fellow moderator for this evening, Brian North. What's up, Brian? This is where the, this is where the fun begins. Right, thank you, uh, Dave Mann, debate master. Yes, thank you for saying it that way. <laughs> Sorry, and uh, Chad Viss. Just, just say uh, something, Chad. Yeah, there you go. Um, this is starting very awkwardly. Um, so this is our third debate. Uh, our first debate was between Brian North and Dave Mann. And uh, Dave Mann defeated Brian North. Our second debate was uh, Mr. Chad Viss and myself. And uh, admittedly, I was uh, shellacked. Shellacked. I was beaten. Uh, it was rigged. Yeah. So Chad, like Chad, uh, Chad schooled me. Chad schooled me with all his Star Wars wisdom and beat me in the uh, second debate. And um, we had a... Th- um, a decision to make one more debate and obviously it's our two champions dave mann and chad viss going mano imano now i will say it is quite ironic that brian and i started the podcast and we both lost <laughs> so <laughs> uh, huh. yeah well see that that doesn't really say anything to your star wars <clears throat> knowledge per se just your ability to uh you weren't on the debate team in high school we'll just put it that way no. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, neither Chad or I started the podcast. It obviously speaks more to your to your love for Star Wars than it yeah, does They're us. sucking up already, you know. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's just get to... let's just cut to the coinster toss. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll we'll do the coin toss in a minute, but first, uh, just to lay the ground rules as usual, uh, each uh, debater has three minutes to give their answer. Um, once they give their answer, um, the other guy, as it were, has um, a chance to give their answer, and then a um, a rebuttal can be followed up, which I believe we were doing one minute. Do you guys agree to those rules? Yes. Sure. Yep. Who's, All right. Who's timing us? Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Dave oh. Mann. <laughs> Dave, we would like you to debate and keep time, please. Yeah. Um, he just keeps going and sure. going. His time never ends. <clears throat> Mine yeah, ends will be in 30 seconds long. I'm sorry. You have to stop. We should have. Uh... Hey, when R2 beeps, he beeps, my friend. That's... <clears throat> it's not like last podcast. You actually listened to it anyways. All right, let's. Uh, this is something we did not think about. No one's even gonna. No one's even gonna comment on that. They're just gonna let it go. Right. Sorry, I just, I'm looking at this. All right, so I don't have any fancy uh, beeps or anything. R two D twos. I apologize. 
Um, but I do have a timer, so I don't know what it's going to sound like, but we'll find out together um, after the first oh three boy. minutes. Yeah. Oh boy. Hopefully it goes off. I have but a bad doing our about this. <laughs> yeah, doing our <laughs> coin flip though will be uh, Beanop. He, uh, if you didn't get to hear, probably one of my most favorite coin flips that I've ever uh, witnessed. And if you're listening to the podcast, it would have been heard. Um, I mean, out of any Super Bowl or anything, was Beanop's famous coin toss of our second debate. If you didn't hear that, please listen. At least listen to the first minute and you'll catch it and uh, you'll have yeah, a good time so all right Beanob, what are you going to flip for us today um a coaster <laughs> he's so confused uh, he's so confused yeah he doesn't I am, remember i am flipping a wonderful <laughs> christmas coaster um one has a beautiful um old mill christmas mill and the other one is cork sided so uh, Chad, will you take the Christmas mill or the cork? I'll take the Christmas mill. All right. <laughs> I think it would benefit both of us, Chad, if we if we make the listeners known that both of us like to research a lot. So there's going to be a lot of information. So better buckle up and listen up. All right. Fair. On a count of three. <laughs> it's a great catchphrase. I love it. Two, three. <laughs> Why are we counting on the flip? And Chad's prediction was correct, and the coaster flip landed on the old mill. So, Chad, you are first this evening. I would like to defer and go second, please, for the first question. As a winner of the coin flip. That's oh, not how okay. it works. I don't know That's that, not how the force works. I won the coin flip, did I not? Because the, la- the, last, two, I not the last two podcasts... So? Listen... The last two podcasts, we're already debating. The last two podcasts wasn't a determination of you get to pick who goes first. It determined who went Chad, first. Chad, you're going first whether oh, you like that? it or not. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think ready. we have to stick with the way we've been doing it. So, um, <clears throat> Okay. All right. So, uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first sure. question of the uh, debate. And then I'll um, – and then, again, Dave, you'll have your chance. Chad, you can do a quick rebuttal. Dave, you can rebuttal his rebuttal. And then uh, I will go first with my thoughts on the scoring. Oh, we didn't talk about the scoring, in case it's your first time listening. Uh, after each question, B-Nob and I will give a point. Um, each point, my point counts as one. B-Nob's counts as another. So there's a possible two points awarded for each question, uh, one by the debater. And then at the end, we tally them up and see who wins. So um, with that said, B-Nob, go ahead and get us... Uh, started and as soon as you're done reading i'll start the clock all right the great star wars debate question one in your own theory obviously this is unconfirmed yet all we have is rumors spoilers whatever else you want bits and pieces from guides and visual guides and different things but in your own words who is supreme leader snoke all right chad you're on the clock all right, as being I've said, speculation. So this is a this is a tough question because that that is one of the big questions that is asked, especially after episode seven. So who I believe emperor emperor who I believe uh, supreme leader Snoke is, I tell you what I do know for sure, based on Andy Circus who does the mocap for for him, this is what he says about him. He says he's a new character in this universe, 
very much a newly introduced character. He's aware of what's gone on and the respect that he has been around and is aware of prior events. I think it'd be fair to say that he is aware of the past to a great degree. So we know that Snoke is someone that is aware of the past, maybe the, Gem the Jedi Sith past or the past of the Empire itself. But we do know he's a brand new character. He's not somebody that has existed before. So your theory of Plagueis, your theory of the stormtrooper that hit his head on the, you know, on the wall as he was walking down to get that giant scar, it's not them. It's a brand new character. In the novelization of Episode Seven, we learn that he is not human. He is humanoid, but he is not human. It says that specifically. Uh, he has a pale face, and we see him in the hollow vid, um, towering above. Uh, Ren and General Hux, uh, but we know he is not human. We know he is a brand new character. So my belief is if you read into the books of Thrawn, into the Empire's End books, which kind of connect the dots with the movies, there is something going on in the unknown regions of space. That's why Jakku is such an important part of the movies is there's an observatory there. And Palpatine is sending out satellites and ships trying to find out what's going out in the unknowns of space and eventually does find an answer. And Palpatine believes something is calling to him from out there. Um, some may believe that that may be Snoke. I also believe that Snoke is one of those people out there, um, or is that call to Palpatine, Snoke. Um, in the Thrawn book, Thrawn talks about joining the Empire um, because there's a threat, a great evil way out there in the Unknown Regions, and the Chiss are trying to determine if the Empire is a capable ally or not. And so even the Chiss from the Unknown Regions are aware of something out there, a great danger possibly to the entire galaxy that they know and other galaxies. So Snoke is someone that is very powerful in the Force. I think that is obvious and been stated. He is not a human. Um, and he's, he's using someone like Kylo Ren, who has some dark side and light side in him, to destroy the Jedi. And he is fearful that the Jedi will make a return with Luke Skywalker. And so he is a powerful force user out there that has gathered Palpatine's remains of the Empire and is mounting a force of his own, an army, and a navy, um, trying to destroy the last Jedi that is known to be existence, um, Luke Skywalker. And when Rey shows force abilities as well, he understands that they need to churn her or face defeat as well. So... That's my Snoke theory. All right. All right, chat. Uh, Dave Mann, <laughs> let us hear your argument. All right. I'll rebuttal this later, but my answer is Darth Plagueis, and I'll tell you why. In Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine tells Anakin of a powerful Sith Lord called Darth Plagueis the Wise, who was so powerful and wise that he learned how to influence the Force and use midichlorians to create life. And the way Palpatine delivers this line greatly insinuates that Anakin may very well be that creation. It's also said that Plagueis discovered how to keep life from dying, but then ironically we learn that Plagueis is ultimately betrayed by his apprentice and murdered in his sleep. In the novel Tarkin, it's actually confirmed that Sidious was in fact that very apprentice, and he was already a Naboo senator when he betrayed his master, which puts Plagueis much closer to the saga timeline than we originally knew. Finally, we learn that Plagueis was, had formulated the plan to overthrow the Republic and replace it with the Galactic Empire. It was his plan which is later referred to the New Order under Palpatine's rule. And we'll save that tidbit for the end. But in order for Plagueis to be Snoke, the former would need to have survived the attempt on his life, to which I simply ask you this. Since Plagueis had learned to influence the Force to create life, is it not highly plausible that he could sustain his own? 
In the novel Aftermath, we find out that Sidious was constantly looking for something in the far reaches of space. Like Chad said, something dark, powerful, and hidden. Is it not possible that he could sense his former master? Did he even believe that his master would stay dead if he killed him? Because, after all, Sidious was the one who said Plagueis could cheat death. So let's make the comparison. In Aftermath, we learn that Snoke has watched both the rise and the fall of the Empire, meaning he's at least been around prior to Sidious taking control. Furthermore, Snoke tells Kylo Ren he's the bet he is the... Uh, student with the most prom promise that he's ever had, meaning he's most definitely trained others. And remember, Yoda tells us that death is a natural part of life. Snoke's visible deformities make perfect sense for someone who is constantly <clears throat> cheating death, therefore being the physical embodiment of a very unnatural perversion of the Force. Also remember the music. Williams created scores to purposely fit alongside different people, factions, and events. Snoke's musical score is nearly identical to the score played when Plagueis is first mentioned, and you can actually play them in tandem. It's kind of odd to create themes that are so similar if there's no connection. So my theory is this. Darth Plagueis created Anakin Skywalker, or, yeah, to replace Sidious. But when Sidious found out, he killed his master and sought to take Anakin as his own apprentice. And after Plagueis used his knowledge of the Force to cheat death, he abandoned the Sith, much like Maul did when he was betrayed, and dropped the moniker of Darth Plagueis, continuing on as Snoke. He then retreated to the far reaches of space where he waited for decades as he watched the Empire rise under the rule of his traitor's former student, who he himself had orchestrated to put there. But finally, his patient paid off, and he had this revenge when Anakin, his own creation, destroyed Sidious. Snoke quickly seized the opportunity to capitalize on the Shattered Empire and began putting his own plan into motion to bring about order the way that it should have been established nearly 50 years prior. Order that predated Palpatine's new order, Snoke's first order. I think the connection is <clears throat> obvious. Now, I'll get into my rebuttal shortly because Chad but are you, are you, is wrong about Are you starting your his, rebuttal? His, uh, quotes. No, I have my rebuttal is after Chad's rebuttal. Oh, okay. Um, okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, Chad, you have one minute. Go ahead. Okay, the only problem with that, um, if you look up Darth Plagueis, the, the person, he is a human male. That is his history. That is his story. As stated in the novelization of Episode 7, seated on a raised platform that was a focus of the chamber was the blue-tinted hollow of Supreme Leader Snoke. Tall and, grunt, tall and gaunt, he was humanoid, but not human. So Snoke is not a human. He is not a human race. Plagueis has never said it. Yes. It's never said that Plagueis he is. is a human. Where does it, where is Plagueis in a Wikipedia, human? In Wikipedia, if you look you up that? Plagueis's the canon Wikipedia? version, they have a canon section and a legendary section. The canon section says that Sidious is a male human. That is who he is. He is a Darth Lord. A he male is a Dark Lord of the Sith, no, and he is no. human. That's yes, not it true. is. It also does say... He's not human. It, it does also not does say, say that. that Snoke... I've been all over Snoke that. watched the Galactic Empire rise and fall, as Dave said. The gullible uh, prattle on about the triumph of truth and justice. <clears throat> Basically, the only problem with... Plagueis being Snoke, which I I can't verify this for sure, but I'm pretty sure someone that is involved has said that that is explicitly not true. No. But he is a human, he's, and he, Snoke he's is not, not because he's not he's okay. not. Neither of them are human. Neither of them are. It's not confirmed. It's confirmed that Snoke is not human. It's not confirmed that Plagueis is a human. I've looked up both the the defenses for and against this. Some of the, most of them being the quotes that he made by Andy Serkis saying this is a new character. He, Andy Serkis, first of all, doesn't say it's Snoke. Secondly, I don't even think Andy knows, knows Snoke. Who is Snoke. I don't think he knows who it or not Snoke. I don't think he knows who it is. Star Wars is is famous for not giving all of their people all the information. Nobody knew the voice of Darth Vader. Nobody knew he was his father. 
J.J. Uh, Abrams was asked if Plagueis was in Episode 7, or if Plagueis is mentioned in Episode 7, to which he says, it's too early to get into a story, but I'll just say no, because he never was mentioned okay, in so Episode 7. Okay, so what does that have seven. to do with anything? The... the Whoever whoever Snoke is, because that's the people that are trying to denounce the fact that it could be Plagueis. It's never said that Plagueis is a human. You can go look that up. You will okay. not find online anywhere, unless you're looking at Expanded Universe. Well, that's all that Plagueis exists in at this moment is Expanded human. Universe. He doesn't exist in canon. No, it's not. I, 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 Other, give, you, I give you canon fair. novelizations. Other than the movie, you're right. He is mentioned in the movie. He is mentioned by Sidious as his master. But we have no other history of who he is. Other than what we've heard in films, exactly, which is why, which is why Andy Circus right. say he's, he's a new some character. Don't know. All Circus right, gentlemen, says he's a new new. this question's Plagueis over. Plagueis is not new. Wow, dude. Question. Okay, I can't say anything else. I guess <laughs> it's over. So, um, so great first question, and I mean, you guys both gave a ton of info, and I almost feel like we have to do it over because I don't know if I caught everything. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> that was my big worry. Um, that was a lot. A lot of info on that. So, uh, B Knob, <clears throat> I'm going to give you the pleasure of uh, digesting that and regurgitating uh, that. Chad, wait, wait, just so I'm. Who did Chad say he was? I didn't even remember. Really? I can't remember. He said. Uh, uh, oh, uh, I'll get it. I'll get into that with my explanation. From the because I was yeah. He I said was he was there. from the yeah. unknown. Come on, he said now. he was from the unknown. I mean, we regions. can ask questions. Trying to discredit the answer that was given in the debate after well, the I said he was from the unknown regions. A I was trying to, I was trying to being, make sure I knew what I heard. I was regions, trying to discredit said, my basically. answer. Oh, okay. So he basically said we don't know who he is. <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, Binab, go ahead. Let's hear your okay, breakdown. So obviously, all this information until these next movies, um, all this information is still, like we said, it's still unconfirmed the few things that are confirmed are the few things that chad that chad mentioned that snoke is somebody from the interviews not said in the movies that he is somebody that pre saw the rise and fall of the empire and somebody who is a humanoid not a human those are plain facts those are probably the two facts out of this whole debate question that were actually proven canon um facts Everything about the unknown region is stuff that they've been hinting at in the books, but they haven't gone out and actually said it. It's it's been stuff that's been alluded to, um, which you know, if anybody has been listening to the past podcasts and heard my own theory on Snoke, you would think that obviously I would agree with Chad that the things that he said about Snoke are things that I believe are going to come to fruition in the future movies. Now, in terms of this debate, though. I have to give my point to Dave because I've watched many YouTube videos, read a lot of articles, and I feel like Dave's explanation and and trying to prove to me that Snoke is Darth Plagueis, that was probably the most well-done convincing anybody has ever done to convince me that that is Darth Plagueis. And as a debate, I can't go on my personal feelings. I have to go with Dave because Dave kind of convinced me a little bit that maybe my theory on Snoke isn't isn't true and maybe I have to look out those things. And he did a great way of explaining how that Snoke would fit into the overall story of the of the saga. So I have to give my point to Dave. Alright. So um I guess I'll save my point for the end. I'm gonna be really quick here. 
both had really good arguments. Um, Dave, yours uh, was very good too with um, Plagueis. Um, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, Chad's with the, uh, you know, being from the unknown regions, pulling in Thrawn and, and um, a lot of what it says there um, about the unknown regions. Um, you know, so, so you could make a case for both. But what got me was actually in the rebuttals, and it was where Chad said that uh, Plagueis is not listed as a, uh, I'm sorry, that he's listed as a human and then Snoke is not. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm not going to go and verify and fact check. I told I'm not going to fact true. check, <clears throat> but um, I'm going to I'm going to assume that that's correct. And then, and in my point of view, that would nullify pretty much that Plagueis theory. So my point goes to Chad. Um, he did reference Wikipedia, which Wikipedia is, you know, it's I mean it's. It's Wikipedia. It's very well uh, sourced. So uh, my, my point goes to Chad. Good, good, good debate question. I, I enjoyed that one. All right. For the record, night. now that the points are yeah. given, it only, it only says that he's a male dark lord of the Sith. It never says he's a male human. And I knew that <clears throat> for a fact. I, I just I, did all that study tonight. I have never, I have never heard of Darth Plagueis uh, referred to as a human always some other humanoid similar to a Snoke situation. So that's what got me to, because anything that I've ever read, even Expanded Universe has never put him in as a human. And you can even look at, at concept art, you can Google him. Anything that pops up never shows Plagueis in a human form. It always shows him as this weird humanoid type type alien. So. Well, points are awarded. Um... All right, so we're going to move on to the second question. Got away with that one. Yes. Reasonable Got doubt. That's that all one, I need, so. sir. <clears throat> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> as long as you admit it. So uh, Chad kicked anything. us off. So this question, this question goes to Dave. Uh, Dave, in your opinion, what is the worst Star Wars character name? And then give me one second. Uh, ready? I, I would... <clears throat> be surprised if you needed all three minutes for this, but <laughs> yeah. here we go. Begin. I'm going to go with Ellen Slees Bagano. Now, if you don't don't know who Ellen Slees Bagano is, uh, he is a character that you see on screen for maybe 15 seconds in Attack of the Clones on Coruscant when uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are going into the bar looking for the assassin, and he tries to sell Obi-Wan oh, some death okay. sticks, and Obi-Wan says... You need to go home and rethink your life. And he agrees and goes home and thinks his life. Um, unfortunately, the only thing they spent less time on, I think, than the character idea was this guy's name. Sleaze Bagano. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they simply took his role of being a sleazebag and, and put Ano at the end of it. <laughs> I mean, that like that makes it a Star Wars name. It's like calling Jabba the Hutt Fat Slagano. <laughs> I mean, how lazy can you get? I don't even know why they... Why they put the character in there? Much less why they couldn't at least give it him somewhat of a of a more decent name. I mean, that's my pick, Alan <laughs> Sleez Bagano. All right, all right, uh, Chad. Uh, when you're ready, you can begin. Hey, uh, Dave, could you say that name for me one more time? Do you mind? I believe it is pronounced Alan. Okay, so you can't Bagano. pronounce it. 
Yeah. Can you hear me? I just wanted to. Can you can you Seriously. hear me? I just wanted to hear it said. It can be pronounced. I can't, you're breaking up. It can be pronounced. So the word is that I have up? is it breaking up to anyone else? Well, his he we well, haven't started yet. He was asking me how to pronounce something. I was telling him it was Alan Slees Magano. Is it breaking up? Can you not hear me? Can everybody else hear me? <laughs> no, I can hear you. Later. Oh, okay. I I I don't think Chad can hear me because he kept asking why it was. Is he talking right now? <laughs> He keeps asking what I'm saying. I don't know. We may have lost. No, I'm Chad. right here. I don't. <laughs> if you if he can hear you, tell him it's Ellen Slees Begano. I asked him to say a word, and he's taken at least half my time. Um, it was just to actually get the word said again. Thank you, well, Dave. Time's not that, the time started when I began talking. Um, so how much time do I have left, Brian? Can you tell me? So my time starts right now. Uh, he has is this a lot of judges? Start. We can Does start over. You got a minute and fifty, but I'm confused. We could restart. Right. Okay, Chet. Because he, he said, first of all, can you? So I thought we were doing something yeah, before the time And Dave's started, fairness, or I there, never taken there is a, a little bit of a uh, a signal delay or something here. So um, Don't give him that benefit like anyway, he's accidentally Chad, doing it. This has been all being done on purpose, Brian. Come on now. The, please okay. begin. Uh, well, I'm going to restart it if you're ready. Yeah, that's fine. Here we go. All right, so Sleaze Bagano, Dave's name, that I won't ask him to talk anymore. Um, he mentioned the amount of time that this character had on screen, which I'm not sure what that has to do with the actual worst name. The worst name in Star Wars, as far as I'm concerned, is one that's almost impronounceable. It is Uror, Ur, Ur. I'll spell it for you. It's a little easier that way. <laughs> U-R-O-R-R-U-R, apostrophe R, apostrophe R. You're wondering who is Aurora? I as I was. It is, if you recall, in episode four, one of the sand people that knocks Luke Skywalker out on his land speeder. And shortly before Obi Wan comes and screams and scares them away, that man there, that sand person there, was one of the clan leaders of the sand people. Aurora, worst Star Wars name in history. <laughs> Not even pronounceable. At least Sleazebag Bagano has a name that you can pronounce. You, you're not going to be selling death sticks as Aurora, And you're not going to do anything but screaming and knocking people off their land speeders. That's about as good as you're going to get with a name like Aurora. Worst name in Star Wars history. All right, Dave, you can, uh, you can rebuttal if you'd like. <clears throat> Yeah, I'd like to. I'm rebuttal. sorry, is Dave um, talking? I think it's interesting is how Chad Dave's thinks turn? that someone's name is, Dave, is terrible. Is Dave doing a rebuttal because now? Is this his turn this time? Uh, okay. It's well, his I'm turn. sorry, I thought you were done. No, it's, no I am, <laughs> I am done? done. It's his turn. Chad needs more time to <laughs> apparently try to defend himself. I was just making himself. sure that it was his turn to rebuttal <clears> right now and not I, that I would wait until he's finished. So it's his turn now? Okay. Yeah, Brian, please clarify again if it's my turn or if it's Chad's turn. <laughs> well, Chad still has time on the clock. No, so I'm, Chad, no, oh, no, I'm going, done. I mean, I'm done. I just make sure Dave had his time. Say. Okay. Dave, you got a minute, apparently. Him. Go ahead. <laughs> Your minute starts now. All right, Dave, if you'd like to rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting that Chad thinks that the, the name is terrible because it's something he just simply can't pronounce. There's plenty of Star Wars names that you can't pronounce. Most... For, most mainly because they're from different alien races that you don't know anything to do with their language. This guy who walked into the bar spoke English, 
spoke to uh, you know in language that we could all understand there's lots of people for example Jabba the Hutt or whoever else these are all types of people that speak in all these different languages just because you don't understand what they're saying doesn't mean all the words they're saying are the worst words ever in Star Wars this guy's name wasn't a name based on his nationality or his ethnicity it was based on the fact that he was a sleazebag <laughs> trying to sell death sticks or whatever they were cigarette I don't know what they even were to Obi-Wan Kenobi for 15 seconds in the movie it's like it's no wonder he has one of the worst names if not I my opinion the worst name in Star Wars because he doesn't even have a, a purpose to be there Jad, do you like a rebuttal? Sure. Uh, the, again, being able to speak English, which I don't as believe is actually a language in the Star Wars universe, um, really doesn't have anything to do with what you're able to say or do. Um, the name Ur-ur-ur-ur-ur-ur-ur is just simply the worst name, regardless if it's a pun on who he is. If if you're just going to pick a, get- no, a name is, and then go... That is how it is spelled out. That is how it is spelled out. I pronounced it. it. I pronounce it correctly. It. That doesn't mean it's a bad name. I pronounced you don't even it correctly. Know what the name it is. is. I pronounced it the way it oh, is. Oh no, you didn't. It you is, you said I don't even know how to pronounce it. it. You said but those it's not exact a lazy words. Pun. This isn't the most you lazy name. This is how it's spelled. In you Star said this Wars is how universe. it's spelled. This is the you worst said this name. Is how it's the lazy name, Sleazebag Bagano. For you don't sure. even know what the worst name is. Is a rrrrrrrrrrrrrr. Worst name in Star Wars. that that could that could mean. That could mean Still King a bad of the name. Universe. This no, it's just a lazy a pun by the writers. This is an actual worst name <laughs> ever. Even if he's the king it's a name of the language planet you don't understand. he's the worst name, period. It's a name in a language right, you gentlemen. don't understand. I bet you he could pronounce Ooh, good it. Good one. That, wow. Yeah. So I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope for, so. It is a good one. For those who that, that may not have listened to the other debates, these can get quite <laughs> heated, uh, which we enjoy. So, uh, And this one is no exception. Um all right, so I think I uh, I get to go first on this one. Um, again, who would have thought this would have been right? a good debate uh, question? Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, not only was it not only was it enjoyable, but it actually made me think. Um, so, Chad, oh, no. you yeah, God forbid. So, Chad, you had me on the uh, <laughs> name. Um, pretty convincingly, but then. On Dave's rebuttal, you know, he brought something up that kind of made me think, uh, and it was the fact of, you know, it, to the point of being cultural and things like that. And then I started to think, well, now hold on. So yeah, his name sounds dumb to us, but like, what if all the other sand people's name are are similar and dumb like that, in a sense? Where this guy, the Death Stick guy, his name is like. You know, he has to kind of hold his head down and, and you know, because he's a sleaze bag. It's in his name, you know. And um, for me, I'd much rather have a name that's hard to pronounce than a name that literally tells everybody I'm a sleaze bag. And so I think the worst character name between these two would, would be the sleaze bag name. Slizbago. So I, my vote goes to Dave. Okay. Chad, let me ask you a question. Okay, unprecedented. And I need you to do your best. Bet. I need you to do your best impersonation of this. An extra question. But if you can, for our listeners, give me your best impersonation of the noise that the sand people make when they arrive oh on a God. scene in Star Wars. No. 
Doesn't Chad do it no. good? If you why, don't do it, I'm going to deduct a point. Why would I do that? What does that <laughs> have to do with the argument? Don't do that at all. It, it, it's it's no, it, it's it's for My the argument. Impersonation I think he's trying person. to. It, yes. Yeah, you're. If you don't want to do it, I'm sure I'm sure Dave will do sure, it for yeah. us. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm <laughs> what are you doing? You're just putting these guys on the spot. <laughs> yes. I want to hear your best impersonation of what you hear from a sand person when they come on no. the scene. The power that B Nob has right now. It, it kind of sounds like that guy's name. To be <laughs> well, let's hear it. <laughs> well, Chad already did it. It sounds kind of like. That's <laughs> like a dog got spanked. That's a wounded one. <laughs> All right, the sound that the sand people make goes something like this. Turtle. How do you know what's happening right now? That sounded like a drunk sad person. But it, if that's the noise that they make, that dude's name makes perfect sense. Absolute perfect sense. What was his name again, Chad? <laughs> right. So when they want him to beat somebody down, they're saying, So they're all just yelling his name out. So they're all just calling him every time they make a noise. Maybe he is their king, and they're doing their all at bar before they go into war. Because Anakin killed their dad. So I'm saying that name makes perfect sense. This is taking a turn. I never expected <laughs> this to happen in my wildest dreams. And and let me just say to you, Dave, I'm going to pull a Jerry Maguire here and say that you had me, you had me, at Fat Slagano. <laughs> oh, that's what he is. He's a fat slug. You just put Ano at the end. I of his think name. we could probably do that with every character's name in Star Wars at this point. Just give a small description of them and add a Agano at the end. Um, Golden Droid Ano. <laughs> um, I love. I love the Dave dead silence. This is great. <laughs> what? Oh, we all had a good laugh, and we just sit there and sigh about it. <sighs> yeah. uh, my point has to go to Dave. All right. That was good. Good one. All right. Uh, B-Nob, if you want to go over the next question. I don't mean to be a Sligano, <laughs> Chad, but I have to go with Dave on that one. I'm sorry. All right. The next question this one is goes that to Chad. Uh, this one goes to Chad. Rumors around... Uh, have been floating around the web and through the different trailers and and obviously this new Vanity Fair piece, but it all shows Kylo Ren not wearing his mask. Obviously, the trailer showed his mask being smashed. Maybe it's from one of his temper tantrums, which I thoroughly enjoy uh, throughout the series, um, or at least The Force Awakens. Um, but do you think that Kylo Ren's mask should return in The Last Jedi? Yeah, so just just to be clear, the question is: Should should Kylo still have a mask? So, Chad, if you're ready, okay, clock's going. 
the big spider over there. Okay, um, Kylo Ren, we've read a lot about masks in the Empire's End when the First Order was kind of coming to power, um, and the Acolytes ran around the cities um, of Coruscant and other planets, you know, spray-painting Darth Vader's mask on walls everywhere. Uh, masks are a big part of the dark side. They're a big part of the Sith. Uh, masks are used often throughout its history. The spider's getting closer. Um, and it would, I understand the need for, uh, or maybe the desire not to have a mask for Kylo in the next movie to show off his scar. Um, we know that that moved in from where it was in Episode 7 to where it will be in Episode 8, which we've talked about, and that's fine. Um, but I feel like the pictures that are taken are because of that. But having a mask and using a mask is, is I think, important when it comes to Star Wars. It's coming towards me. Um, and I think that using that mask... It's dead. Um, it, it, it exudes intimidation. It exudes a symbol. It's an homage to Vader from Kylo Ren's standpoint. Um, and unless Kylo is growing weak, I think a mask is something he's still going to want to have. He uses it when he wants to intimidate people. He does it with Poe. And Poe mocks him for not being able to understand it. He uses it with Rey, and she calls him out on having a mask, and so he takes it off to show her who he really is. But the mask that he uses is for intimidation, it's for power, it's to set him apart from all the leaders of the First Order as far as you know, General Hux and those, those commanders. It sets him apart. He is different. He's a disciple of Supreme Leader Snoke, and the mask presents intimidation. And I think... Should the question the question is should Kylo still have a mask in Episode Eight? I hope he does, and I think he should because that intimidation and the precedent that Vader sent with it. Obviously, Vader needs it for his survival, but Kylo Ren took that as a symbol, just like all the acolytes did throughout all the Empire's End books, um, and it's a symbol of power and strength and fear, and that is what the dark side tries to take over and use as the fear, intimidation, and power. So. Kylo Ren should still have a mask, and I hope that he does in Episode Eight for those reasons alone. Jay, still got forty seconds left, unless you wanted to. I'm, finish. I'm done. I'd only repeat myself in in the, yeah, I'm done for time's sake. All right, Dave, you're up. <clears throat> okay, um, it's interesting, Chad, and I interpreted this just a little bit differently. I I agree with all the reasons why uh, Kylo would want a mask. But I gave a different answer, and that was obviously no. Um, in the original trilogy, Vader was an ominous force and a mysterious one. One of the biggest reveals in cinematic history was when we found out who the man behind the mask was. But in The Force Awakens, they made that reveal halfway through the movie. Some think it was a mistake. Chad might not think it was a mistake it was revealed, but thinks a mistake will stay off. But I disagree because, first of all, Kylo Ren doesn't need the mask. It wasn't necessary for his survival as Darth Vader. Um, he uses it. Uh, because of his obsession to Vader and, and to pay homage to Vader and his legend. Um, secondly, what was becoming very obvious very quick is that there is great conflict within Kylo Ren. He talks about feeling the pull to the light, and, and he told his father, Han, that he was being torn apart. Showing the scar is cool and all, but seeing the character's face in Return uh, I'm sorry, The Last Jedi um, is vital to revealing his emotions and allowing the actor to portray that inner struggle. Removal of the mask is key um, as we see that conflict play out in the episodes to come. So I, I, I think that, yeah, I agreed with why the Sith all wear masks and all that stuff, but I think that I looked at this more as, for the movie and for the viewers, the mask should stay off because there is going to be a great struggle 
with Kylo going back and forth and showing balance in the Force, the diff, you know the balance between light and dark within this character, and it's much harder to see that when the character's face is behind a mask. So I I agree with it being off. All right, <clears throat> Dave, you got a minute left. Are you done? <clears throat> well, I'm, you know, I'll just wait till wait, wait a, after. Oh, I don't know well. if you just wanted to wait a full minute of silence. No, okay. uh, Jed, no. you can uh, you can <laughs> rebuttal. Okay, um, I, I also I partially agree with what Dave is saying, and I think we're kind of along the same lines. Um, however, I believe that if he has no mask at all in this entire film, Episode Eight, that takes away some of what Dave is saying, seeing that emotion. It, regardless if we start off with a mask and end without one, he should still have a mask at some point in Episode Eight. If they go the entire in the entire movie with no mask for him, it takes away some of that change. It takes away some of his struggle. He needs to have a, a mask at some point. Maybe it's the first half. Maybe it's the first couple scenes. Maybe there's a turning point where he no longer needs the mask. And I've had the theory always that he might be a double agent anyway. So maybe it's all a, a farce and something that he's pretending. But episode 8, he should have a mask for some of that movie. If only to show the difference even more so uh, between the struggle that he's going through. But there should be a mask on at some point throughout this movie. Uh, Dave, would you like a rebuttal? Um, yeah, I I will say that Chad very very wisely is changing his answer to now be more so with the question, which is very smart because it makes a lot of sense. It's hard to rebuttal the fact that now he's just saying that he simply should just have a mask at any point in this movie, whether he wears it or not. Because the um, question but, is, but should that goes, he still have a mask? Yeah, but that goes completely 100% against your entire argument that you just gave. You just changed your entire argument. Not true. <clears throat> yeah, Wrong. now you're saying that he should just have a mask instead of wearing a mask like all those other Sith and showing how ominous and all that other stuff is. Yeah, so, he needs to begin. He needs to have that throughout the movie. There should be that So he's presence. just going to be holding it? Is he just going to be holding the that. mask? It's just going to be somewhere in his ship? That's all you're saying? He just needs Why to have it in the ship Why would they do that? Somewhere? That's not how masks work, Dave. That's not how masks work. Right. I don't think <laughs> he needs to be having a mask. He doesn't need to have a mask on his face. He does. It's I mean, obviously, we already, he hasn't given we already, his power or We his already know yet. that he has a mask in the movie. We see it get smashed in the trailer. So that was an yeah, obvious. Yeah, that could happen at the very end of the movie. All right. Well, he shouldn't wear it. I think we're done. <laughs> Good question. We got he to learn how wear masks it. work. Dave, I love that end statement. He just shouldn't wear it. <laughs> All right, B-Nob, you get to uh, you get to let us know uh, your opinion here on who won that debate. Uh, I, I'm formulating my answer here. I already know who won, but I just want to give it a good explanation of it. Give it um, the old B-Nob spin, huh? Yeah, the old B-Nob spin around. Um, I think that if you look through Sith history, Bane had a mask. That's canon uh, from the um, from the Bane ghost that comes out. Uh, I think that's in Rebels, wasn't it? Where yeah. the Bane, or was that in Clone Wars? Clone Wars, yeah, it it's Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Where Clone Yoda Wars. saw the right. Sith. Yeah, in the lost in the lost mission. Um, but he has a mask. Yeah. Um, any of the visual guides that you see, um, all the Knights of Ren all have masks. That's kind of their thing. Um, so Kylo Ren being the Knights of Ren, um, I think that's homage to his character to have a mask. Um, and, um, I think it's a big part of who he is as a character. I mean, if you look at all the Force Awakens promotional pieces, 
all the way up until the movie, um, you never saw Kylo Ren without the mask. So I think that I think that it, the mask is such a part of 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 who he is as the Kylo Ren character. And until and, and unless, like Chad said, unless he makes a complete change um, as a double agent or whatever um, in this one, um, where he tur- turns from or turns his back on on being Kylo Ren and turns back to Ben Solo, I think that. That mask is a part of him, obviously, with the Darth Vader connection as well. Uh, he he worships his grandfather's mask, and and it's a part of him. So, um, I would have to give this this uh, debate question to Chad, um, saying that he needs he needs to wear the mask. And to clarify, Chad said that he needs to wear the mask at some point in the movie. Um, he didn't say that he need to be holding it. He just needs to be wearing it. He could be wearing it for a scene where he's, you know, in, you know, where he's dealing with a, a few first order officers or something like that, like he did. Um, he he takes it after the midpoint of the movie. You see him taking it on and off throughout the rest of the film. So I, I feel like throughout the Force Awakens, I feel like he'll have it on less often than he did in the Force Awakens. The whole first and second act of the, of the Force Awakens, he had it on. I feel like he'll have it. He'll he'll it'll be more reminiscent to the latter half of a Force Awakens where he takes it on on and off depending on which characters he is interacting at what setting he's in. So, all right. So, uh, Bnab goes Chad. Um, <clears throat> so just to be clear, like that question, and it's funny how during these debates everybody can interpret a question differently, but. Um, you know, in the trailer, we see the mask broken and everything we've seen of Kylo Ren through pictures and the trailer for the last Jedi posters and so on and so forth is him without a mask. So, um, one would, you know, conclude that he's going to go maskless in the last Jedi. So the point of the question was, you know, should that happen? Should he be maskless or should he still have a mask? So, um... I think you both gave good points, Dave. I did like your point about, you know, them needing to show the conflict with his facial expressions between light and dark, you know, because there's going to be that struggle there. But um, I do agree with Chad on the fact of, you know, the bad guy needs to wear the mask and specifically Kylo because he is not where he needs to be yet and he uses that mask for fear. But um, uh, my point goes to Chad um, I agree that he needs to have the mask, um, you know, if anything, just to cover up that big, ugly Adam Driver face. So, um, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, that's just personal. But yeah, I, it's just not Star Wars without the mask. I agree with Chad on this one. All it's right. Not, it's not Star Wars without Adam Driver's face. <clears throat> um, next question goes to. Dave I and I will and I will ask it. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Dave, in your opinion, what is the best Star Wars monster? Out of what options? Brian will reveal those <laughs> options right now. You feel good about you specifically yourself. asked Brian to read this question. I love at it. At the beginning of the podcast, you get, and you cut him off. That's what you get. <laughs> Hope you're oh. proud of yourself. <laughs> Brian will now reveal. Brian will now reveal the monsters. 
All right. So, the monsters that you had to choose <laughs> were between the Rancor uh, from Return of the Jedi, um, the Wampa, the uh, uh, Wampa was from Empire Strikes Back, Sarlacc from uh, Return of the Jedi, and the Wrath Tar from Force Awakens. And this question goes to. Uh, who goes first now? I, I'm lost on that part of it. Dave. All right, Dave. Which monster is the best one out of those in the <clears throat> Star Wars universe? I'm going to go with Rathtar. Um, I'm going to start with this quote by Darth Maul. It says, Rathars are among the most dangerous creatures in the galaxy. Hungry, vicious, and relentless. Now, um, I can easily understand why Chad may not have chose the Rathar, or he didn't choose the Rathar. Because they're honestly not spoken of that much. We only saw them in, in film form in The Force Awakens. Um, but as far as canon goes, that's because it's said the study of the creatures is very rare due to the immense danger involved in doing so. The Trillia Massacre, which we hear Finn reference in The Force Awakens, was an event invo- involving Rathars slaughtering hundreds of life forms. The event was so vile and so depraved that Finn was literally relieved when he found out Ray hadn't even heard of it. Um, it's said that Rathars were so dangerous that their population had to be regulated. Otherwise, they would breed too quickly and literally overrun everything. So let's talk about what makes these creatures such efficient killing monsters. Um, the best monster. Uh, first of all, they have they don't have a true skeleton, which means that they are able to maneuver themselves into otherwise impossible to reach locations. Um, they had multiple long tentacle-like appendages with had adhesive pads that allowed them to stick to most surfaces and even allowed them to ascend vertically. Um, of course, this also allowed them to subdue and devour multiple prey at once. The creatures were ravenous and persistent eaters capable of consuming virtually anything that could fit into the robust radial mouths, which were funnel-shaped and lined with rows of razor-sharp teeth that would literally tear their meals apart piece by piece. And to top that off, their diet consisted of pretty much anything that was not Rathtar, so nothing was safe. They could also move extremely fast for their size, and their bodies were covered in a hard, rubbery exterior that made them heavily resistant to blaster bolts, small arms fire, and even biting attacks. Um, in my opinion, nothing else on this list even comes close. Um, they're actually a descendant of the uh, Sarlacc, which was an ancestor of it. So these are actually an evolutionary advancement of the Sarlacc. Um, and then I guess, you know, we'll wait and see what Chad picks. But in my opinion, definitely out of uh, the monsters listed here, the Rathtar is the best monster. And what is, you know, defined as a monster. <laughs> All right, Chad. Okay, uh, great, great question. Um, when I think of the best Star Wars monster um while rathars are scary and dangerous and obviously crazy like darth maul yeah he fought them he was one of the only people to actually kill him with his own hands but when i think of star wars monster i like to think of practical effect monsters not cgi monsters that are done on a computer but actual practical effects star wars monsters and when i think of those all these monsters on this list are great the wampa though rules for me when you have a great practical effect monster that is used in Star Wars movies that when you think of Star Wars and the monsters in them, Wampa's right up there. Um, you don't see any hunters putting Rathtar heads above their fireplaces, but I can tell you in a store nearly a mile away from your, me, there's a, a Wampa rug hanging on my wall in my comic shop as a trophy to one of the great monsters of Star Wars. 
the Wampa monster that was able to capture Luke, knock him off his Tauntaun, kill his Tauntaun, and drag him back to his lair. Somehow figure out how to freeze Luke's legs to the top of his cave while he finished off the Tauntaun, only to be killed by a lightsaber. But the practical effects that were used in that Wampa monster and the, the way they explained Luke Skywalker Mark Hamill's car accident with his facial scars, nothing but a Wampa could do that with those giant claws. Sorry, being out of my porn you over there, buddy. Uh, Wampas are the best Star Wars monster. Um, and I there's nothing that's scary. If you're out there on, on Hoth, it's, it's basically an abominable snowman. That's kind of what they were thinking when they, when they made this monster up. Um, and man, there's not much that strikes fear uh, into a heart of any person, Tauntaun riding or not, than a Wampa. Great practical effect monster. Um, awesome Star Wars monster. That is my answer. All right. Uh, would you like a rebuttal, Dave? Yeah, um, a couple things I'd say. First of all, I mean, obviously, if this was question limited us only to practical effect monsters, then I'd obviously have a different opinion because the Raptor is not practical effect. But that wasn't obviously what the question was limited to. And sure. then secondly, I don't understand the whole thing of a Star Wars monster because he's suggesting that that somehow the the Raptor is not a Star Wars monster. So I don't know why we're even bringing that up. Um, I do like the Wampa. The Wampa is really cool. Um, of course, they're obviously uh, limited to cold climates, mainly uh, one planet, Hoth. Um, oh, there's only one cold planet in the entire galaxy? That's crazy. No, no definitely I not what I said. Um, these beasts are, you know, they're, they're like he said, they are something that are casually, you know, he mentioned, oh, it took a lightsaber to kill him, but these things are casually hunted for sport. You know, people put pelts of them on the walls. They take their horns or whatever. Um, that's really cool, but that's something that you'll never see happen to Rathtar, which is a much better monster. Wampas are just basically wa big walking bears. I mean, they're they're cool in the Star Wars universe, but not as cool as Rathars. Chad. Um. Yeah. No. the The point of the Star Wars is because when you think of Star Wars, um, especially when you think of good Star Wars and bad Star Wars, considering the prequels and the original trilogy, CGI and practical effects is a big contention point with a lot of people when it comes to what Star Wars is. And when I think about Star Wars and I think about Star Wars monsters, I think practical effects while the Rathars are great and they are dangerous as i mentioned and as you mentioned well gosh um that doesn't necessarily make them and obviously they're star wars well, i guess monsters i guess you don't like star the wars. end of rogue one huh with uh with princess leia or the scenes with tarkin because those are all cgi not monsters i thought they did a great job about practical effects monsters they you, were used you were talking people. about cgi you were talking about overusing okay. cgi bad cgi you're getting being... off you're getting off the subject my point is nope, not practical at all effect monsters, you made cgi the subject Yes, when it concerns monsters, the I'm not going to address those because you've got real people that are used in Tarkin so and Leia. The, so, the, with CGI so are you faces. saying, so are you the saying best that the Rathar was a bad CGI? Wampa, and they aren't casually hunted. They are feared, just like the Bible Chad, just Snowman and the Yeti simply yelling, feared. it's not going to make it true. <laughs> I'm not just yelling. I'm just giving my rebuttal. Wampas are the best Star Wars monster. <clears throat> All right, well. Again, another great uh, sparring episodic debate there. All right. Um, I'm going to go. Sorry. Just trying to find words that <laughs> they weren't coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, to be honest with you, you both chose wrong. Everybody knows it's the Rancor, but I'm going to leave my personal opinion out of it. Um, <clears throat> um, I went back and forth on this one. I hate the Rathtars, so I was trying to keep that out of there. 
Um, I just I hated that part of the Force Awakens. The Wampa, um, obviously classic. Um, you know, although they did redo it on the special editions. Um, you know, added in some scenes there. Um, but so what I looked at is I'm going to take out the CGI comment because it's just the day and age that we live in. Um, and most of the prequels were CGI. So, you know, there's CGI all around us. So I'm going to take that out of it. So then I look at then if a Wampa fought a Rathtar, who would win? And Dave convinced me that a Rathtar would win. Well, of course a Rathtar okay, would win. Okay, so I gave my point to Dave. <clears throat> Okay, when I think of a Star Wars monster, I usually think of a Rancor or a Sarlacc, to be honest with you. I don't think of the uh, Wampa. Um, the Rancor doesn't... Uh, I'm glad you included that, Brian, but the Rancor doesn't really do it for me. When it, when a big, fat dude starts crying over one, he just kind of loses all its, all its monster... Uh, rep when a dude's the crying all over you like a like a like a like a child. The beastmaster. Uh, We're not debating yeah. this, but I did. I did. I was going to bring up that Luke killed it by basically shutting a door on his head. <laughs> but nobody said it was um, smart. <laughs> You're right. True. He also put a bone in its mouth. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the the creepiest side note here. The creepiest monster. Okay, for me in Star Wars, which you guys left out, was that was that eyeball look thing in the New it. Hope in, in the dumpster shoe. Okay, <laughs> do not stick me anywhere with that that little periscope thing right, popped out. That the, choking people. It's no garbage snake, whatever you want to call it. That is terrifying. <laughs> um, but that wasn't left in there. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I would have issues with that one. Um, but on the same note, I would have to think of best monster. Who, Which monster would I not want to be left in a room in? Brian said, hey, put a, put a Wampa and, and a Rancor in a room together. Which one do I not want to be in a room with? And I, I do not want to be sucked down and, and shred to pieces by a million teeth. And that scene, The Force Awakens, is straight out of like a horror movie. So, people are like hiding. They're 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 legitly scared. You know, they they talked about these guys that are that are in that movie. Dave, you might know the movie, uh, where those guys that are those guys that came in to get Han Solo. They're from some movie, uh, in Asia. Oh, no, I can't. I I don't know um, what's happening. But, but everybody was so pumped about them being in the movie. And then they released the Rancors, and those guys run like little girls. So. <laughs> Raptors. Whatever. There were no Rancors running around on the Falcon. <laughs> well, they technically weren't on the Falcon at that uh, point. But the barge or whatever that thing was. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I got to give my point to Dave. Sorry, Jed. So. You have to be sorry. All right. <laughs> You're all going to be, be sorry. Would, would you like to read the next no, question? You don't have to There's, be sorry. Uh, do, no Brian, Brian can I can I read this one? Do I have your permission? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It goes to uh, Chad. And Chad, do I have your permission to ask you the question first? 
You don't need my permission. So. I just don't want to step on anybody's toes here tonight. Uh, the question is, will midichlorians return in Star Wars? All right, Chad. Take it away, Chad. Okay. Uh, will midichlorians make a return in Star Wars? I don't believe so. Um, there is something that George Lucas said back in 1977. He mentioned midichlorians for the very first time. So it originally was part of his thought. And the way he had envisioned Star Wars to be, midichlorians were part of that. Um, we know in the original trilogy it wasn't mentioned. Um, and it was brought up in a new or in the very first uh, movie, Episode 1, uh, finding out that Anakin had a higher midichlorian count than anyone ever in the history of, of the Jedi. Um, however, when it comes to the current trilogy that they're working on, we know uh, The Last Jedi is coming up. Um, I don't believe that midichlorians will make a return to the Star Wars universe in the movies. Um, and they have not returned anywhere in the books um, up to this point either in the new canon. Uh, when J.J. Abrams was interviewed back before uh, The Force Awakens came out, he was asked about the midichlorians and if they would be part of his movie, Episode Seven. And we know um, now that have having watched it that they weren't. Um, and he, he made some comments on that. And obviously he started kind of the, the new look and the way that these movies go forward. Obviously we have Ryan Johnson with Episode Eight, which... He could do something completely different. Uh, but the story group is also along to make sure everything stays in line with canon and where it is. And J.J. said that the, the Force isn't science fiction. It's a spiritual story. That was his take on what the Force was. And he would say he would never overwrite anything George Lucas ever did. But from his perspective, and being the one that made Episode 7, uh, the Force has always seemed to be more inclusive and stronger than just specific little minute characters or creatures being able to give people those force abilities as as was has been said by many jedi that the force is everywhere it surrounds all of us and, and helps everyone it's there it's part of all living beings the rocks the trees everything so to have the force as a spiritual thing and not influenced specifically by midichlorians these minute creatures that amplify the force's power um, they aren't, um, they aren't, I don't believe going to be in any of the future movies because of that reason. Um, if you look at the pop, the populaces or the people that watch the movie, not a popular thing either. And I just don't see the movies bringing that back from the prequels and editing it into these new movies because it wasn't popular. It was unnecessary as far as most people are concerned. And probably the only person that really was super invested in that was George Lucas and, Sorry, George. I love George. I'm happy that he did what he did, otherwise we wouldn't be where we were. But he sold Star Wars to Disney. He no longer has control over or say what goes into those movies. So midichlorians, I don't believe, will be back in the future. Okay. Dave, you're on the clock. Obviously, my answer is yes, so I'll have to have a big, long explanation as to why. Um, In some shape or form, I think we are going to hear about midichlorians again. Um, of course, to begin explaining why, well, I have to go back to the prequels where they first mentioned. So put aside your feelings about the prequels for a moment. Forget the overuse of CGI or your thoughts on the acting. Just focus on the story. Focus on the lore of Star Wars. The first person to mention midichlorians was Qui-Gon Jinn, whose importance has been overlooked by many. Qui-Gon was possibly the most in tune with the Force of any Jedi we saw in the two trilogies. Remember that he frequently was at odds with the Jedi Council. While Yoda was focused on trying to see the future, Qui-Gon was focused on the present. He's the one who said that your focus determines your reality. Because of this, he was the one who discovered Anakin to believe that he was the will, or believe that it was the will of the Force that led him there. 
Um, we've since discovered that he was the one who learned from the Order of the Wills and knew the secrets of the Force better than anyone. This is why it's important, very important, that he was the one who brought us or told us about midichlorians. Much like how the Jedi Council of the prequels did not fully understand the Force, I think many of us do not fully understand the importance of these microscopic life forms. Fortunately, the current writers are starting to shed some light on these misunderstandings. So, let's not forget, midichlorians are very much canon. They can't be explained away. The new trilogy focused on the balance of the Force, and that the heroes of the two prior trilogies did not correctly understand it, with the exception of Qui-Gon. He had learned from the Wills what it meant to become a part of the Living Force and that there was a difference between the living force and the cosmic force, and how to follow its will. In The Phantom Menace, Qui-Gon says that the midichlorians are constantly speaking to us, telling us the will of the force. This explains how even though the force is in every living thing, not every living thing is force-sensitive. That's because midichlorians are the channel through which the force speaks, which is why being beings with higher force or higher counts of these are more likely to become force users. This is again verified in the Clone Wars when Qui-Gon tells Yoda that the force speaks to us through midichlorians and that if we are just quiet if we just quiet our minds we can hear them. That's why he stressed how important it was to focus on the present. As we found out, Anakin never learned to properly listen to the force despite being known to possess more midichlorians than any other living being. His mind was constantly focused on his mother in the past or Padme's death in the future, never was he focused on the present long enough to quiet his mind and truly be led by the Force. Again, the fact that midichlorians were introduced by Qui-Gon is crucial for the simple fact that most of what Qui-Gon taught in The Phantom Menace was overlooked by the Jedi Council as well as many Star Wars fans. Uh, Dave Filoni, writer for both Clone Wars and Rebels, verifies this by saying that both the Jedi and the Sith have a very limited understanding of the Force, and that's where we're beginning. what we're beginning to discover. As the lore is expanded upon, is that all of these overlooked details, including midichlorians, in my opinion, are very very important they're just misunderstood and people that misunderstand they don't like things they misunderstand a lot of the times i think if they can explain it well it makes perfect sense to have these in the in the saga all right uh chad rebuttal um yeah everything david said is correct and it is part of canon and and for story-wise it makes sense however the reason i don't think that they will be part of the the new trilogy is couple reasons one like i mentioned earlier people just did not like that thought that idea it would seem silly and dumb and they had many opportunities since the new canon and disney owning and being able to direct where this will go with the future and the force is definitely a a major part of the of the future of star wars they've not mentioned midichlorians in any of the books since which if they're going to mention something that's kind of you know it's part of canon but we really don't want it to be mainstream that's where it would be mentioned Heir to the Jedi, when Luke is learning how to move his no- move his noodle, if you recall, now Metaclorians mentioned. In Lords of the Sith, when Vader and Palpatine use their force to its full extent, no Metaclorians mentioned. What is being focused on is things like the Bendu, being able to use the light side and the dark side concurrently. We see that with Kylo Ren. Snoke says, you are the perfect aspect of light and dark. No mention of Metaclorians, but it's a Bendu. It's a use of both is the direction they're going, not with Metaclorians. All right, Dave. Well, we, we are just now getting into another area of Star Wars that people didn't understand and people knew nothing about. Very, very limitedly touched on the Order of the Wills, the Ancient Order of the Wills. We're obviously getting back into that about Absolutely. balance. The only One of the only Jedi that talked to them and learned their secrets was Qui-Gon Jinn, who was the person who told us about midichlorians. So now we're kind of making full circle with what he was teaching and learning more about these teachings and the fact that there's a living force and a cosmic force. The midichlorians are in the living force. It's how living creatures are communicated to by the force, where that's the cosmic force that's in the rock and it's in the tree and it's in the ground. That There's no midichlorians, obviously. Unfortunately, in... There is... There, sorry, go ahead. 
I I'm sorry. Go I ahead. Say, unfortunately, in the Guardians of the Will book that just came out specifically about the Guardians of the Wills, midichlorians never mentioned one time in the entire book. That's because we're we're not. They're, you're talking about books that hardly anyone's going to read. No, it's, but the <laughs> actual title is has I mean, the wills that you're referring to so heavily. It is about the Guardians yeah, of know. the Wills itself. I know, but when but but you make the big reveals in the movies, not in the books. The not books of something are to fill in the like. plot lines, which I not love. Something that people don't like. All right. If anybody's going to convince us, it's Disney. But they're smart. Bnab, how do you score this one? Um, I'm going to have to give my point to Chad that Metaclorians will not return into Star Wars just because there's been no physical evidence in the books, comments, TV series, wherein Rebels, they probably had plenty of chances to bring out the pull the Metaclorians card. And why I mean by saying pull the Metaclorians card is at the end of the day, all Metaclorians were to George Lucas was a plot device to prove to the Jedi that Anakin was this amazing force being that was out of the ordinary um, because any force sensitive being could ran a pot race or done the things that he could have done but by physically showing them on a physical level that he is even more physically able to use a force than Master Yoda it, it's, it's to fast track him to, in front of the council and to get him set up for the training um and I feel like they added the tidbit on the la landing platform with Qui-Gon just to explain it a little bit more so people aren't scratching their heads wondering what midichlorians were. So he had to explain it away, and that's where that landing platform scene came with Qui-Gon. Don't think we need that that kind of plot device um, again to move the story along, so I don't think midichlorians will return, so my point has to go to chat. All right, so... <clears throat> Dave, I liked what you were doing with trying to bring Qui-Gon Jinn full circle. I kind of like that because uh, I do like Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, but my point has to go to Chad. Um, I think if George Lucas was still running Star Wars, I think we would see it return. Because he will just not let things go sometimes, old George. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think Disney or the, uh, the those behind the new Star Wars stories or saga... Uh, have any interest in jumping back into that the only and I almost wish this was like a prediction thing because the only way I could see it happening is if they're mentioned in the fact of oh well that was wrong to some degree but I don't think they'll even jump into it you know I, I think Chad brought up some good points that through all the books now we've had several books come out um, hasn't been mentioned Star Wars Rebels it hasn't been mentioned at all um the two latest Star Wars films, Rogue One and uh, Force Awakens, obviously wasn't mentioned. So, so I'm going to give my point to to Chad because uh, I think he gave some good supporting evidence why it would not return. So there we go. Two points to Chad. Next question goes to Dave Mann. Dave, best. Star Wars planet and why? Well, as we discussed in previous debates, the word best, I guess, is kind of relative <laughs> to the person answering the question, Correct. but um, best for what reason? So it's up to the judges to decide based off That's of right. what information. How's it feel, Dave? So I want. Go ahead. <laughs> Just go. 
Wait, what no, happened? Just, just the whole best thing and trying to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, is my time ticking away as that happened? Because that's Are unfortunate you, if that's just, the case. Just continue, <clears throat> please. Um, so, so <laughs> think about this with me. You you just made a long jump through hyperspace. You're tired. Just want to get away from everything and relax. You walk out into a warm beach. The sun's shining. There's a light breeze. The blue, crystal clear water laps up against the shore. It's truly a scene that the majority of people see flash through their mind when they think vacation. That's just another day on the planet Scarif. A tropical paradise. Its beaches were peaceful and serene, and its jungles were filled with wildlife and beautiful fauna. There were also plenty of palm trees to offer some cool, nice shade. Um, and then for those of you who are, you know, wanting to get to the industry side, its mantle was comprised of dense and very valuable metals used in starship, constru- starship construction, which provided a fantastic economy for its inhabitants. It's the kind of place that once you visit, you'll just never want to leave. <laughs> I want to go to Scarif. That's my vacation spot. All right. Are you done, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Dave, do you want to go pre-Death Star attack or after? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> This so is dumb. just, this is just, this is just Beth's Flowers Planet, not like. Best do you want your t- beach? Do you want your beaches it? with radiation or without? Yeah. So is your point going to Chad? <laughs> I don't know. I've <laughs> heard his point. I had every point yet. Answering. Freaking beat up. Hopefully, he brings up like Hoth or something. All right, Chad, you're our, uh, you're on the clock. All right, best Star Wars planet. My my choice is Tatooine. Um, there's so many great things that happen uh, in the Star Wars universe on Tatooine. Obviously, that's where Anakin is from. Um, that is where Luke is from. Um, that's where Luke uh, meets Obi-Wan, uh, one of the last Jedi to be living. Um, and that's where Luke becomes fast friends and master to C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, this is also where, in the comics, where Luke goes back and finds Obi-Wan's journal. And he gets to find out about all the things and a lot of the things that Obi-Wan had done uh, between leaving Luke there as a young child and them going off to find where Alderaan was supposed to be. Um, he learns about a lot about Master Yoda right there in Obi-Wan's hut. Um, on Tatooine, Luke crafts his very first, his own green lightsaber from parts that he had collected up to that point in a cave on Tatooine through knowledge he, he gleaned from Obi-Wan's hut and journal, put together his green lightsaber, which we see in Return of the Jedi. What a fantastic moment for Star Wars. That's where he frees Han Solo from the clutches of Jabba the Hutt, goes back as a proclaimed Jedi Knight, um, and he destroys Jabba and his criminal hold on that section of the planet. So many fantastic things happened on Tatooine concerning Star Wars, and specifically Luke. Um, and all the Jedi things that he learned there from Obi-Wan um, and where he grew up, there was a lot of tragedy there as well. But when it comes to the best Star Wars planet, those are the reasons why that Tatooine is the best planet in Star Wars. Okay, Dave. <clears throat> um, I would I would agree with Chad uh, if this question was, what's the planet that has some of the most important things in Star Wars happen on it? Um don't forget that this is also the planet where Shmi got raped and killed. Whoa. Um, this is also the planet where Anakin started turning to the dark side by killing and murdering all those things. I mean, I I wasn't looking for a planet that had a bunch of stuff happening on it. I was looking for a planet that was just beautiful and a good planet in itself as a whole. And being up, I will say this. If Scarif 
is not a good planet because it had a Death Star attack him to it. I mean, like, is Anakin not a great character because he was evil for half his life? Or, like, are you, do you like Anakin pre-Vader Anakin or after Vader where he destroys the Pal or destroys Emperor uh, Palpatine? Um, that's, I just want to say that because, like, Yoda, I mean, is Yoda not a good character because he died because he's not alive still? I mean, like, I think you kind of <laughs> have to take out the, you have to take out the attack, the one thing bad that we've seen happen on Scarif. Um, I'm just talking about the planet as a whole, not the events like Chad's trying to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For the record, whoa, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa. Still... No. 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 Not, <laughs> yeah, no. no. You can't. Yeah. You're wait, not defending wait, your points. No, I have Chad, a one-minute debate. Chad has, Chad has a rebuttal. I know you have Chad a rebuttal, a rebuttal. <laughs> but I'm I'm not doing anything about the planet. But just just for the sake of the podcast, okay. I only like two <laughs> Anakin: Sebastian Shaw, Force Ghost, and Jake Lloyd. Okay, those are the only two Anakin's I like. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, before he was Shmi raped? <laughs> Come on, I, I, I it's implied. Oh, I don't know. Was it there's by no, rumor? There's no rape scenes. There's no rape scenes in Star Wars. <laughs> she is tied up in an unfortunate manner. Oh jeez! All right, we're just gonna leave it alone. They cut All her right. face. <laughs> they cut her cheek and starved her. <laughs> cut her just let her drip blood from that spot. That's all oh, they did. Chat. Yeah. Am I going? Yeah. Okay. Um, Save us. Wow. To say that a planet is bad because bad things happen on it, or not the best because bad things happen on it, obviously is doesn't really make sense because I'm sure there were bad things that happened on Scarif, whether they're on film or not. And Scarif is a great place to go and set your feet up, um, you know, and relax and have a vacation like Dave mentioned. But when I think Tatooine of a, is a desert. When I think of a best Star Wars planet, I'm not thinking a place to relax and have fun as a as a fan or as a person that watches the movie, I think of what about Star Wars makes this, what about this planet is great for Star Wars. I don't care if I can go sip my ties on a beach with a palm tree and, you know, white You stands. can't even build sandcastles on Tatooine. There's not enough water. When it water. comes to Star Wars, when I think of one of the best planets out there, I don't care what the environment is. I care about what the planet means. The planet of Tatooine means You don't care what the environment is. So, you, like, what if you die on, as I'm soon not, as you step I'm on the planet, you die. I'm not going there. I'm not going there for a vacation. But it's the best Star Wars planet. You just said I'm not Star thinking Wars. of the best planet to go to. That's what I. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Last David meant. Uh, so unfortunately, this is one of those questions where it turns into a debate of what the question meant. I feel like, <laughs> um, man, this is a tough one. I don't even know how to grade it. Uh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Chad's answer. What? <laughs> to ween. Um, oh my god! You know he brought a lot of good points out about the history. Um, although everybody that lives there talks about how it's a miserable place and they want to leave. Maybe that's just Moss Eisley, actually. Um, well, do you know how the yeah. sand is? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dina. Please tell us, though. It's rough, and it's irritating, yeah. and it gets right. everywhere. Of course. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm going to go with Chad of the Tatooine. Um, too much history there. Uh, Dina? Um, 
The question is for me. Okay, when I first thought of this question, I thought of, you know, what's the most beautiful planet? What's the coolest planet? Um, but, Chad, you really spun this question on its head. And I guess the question to myself was, would I rather be enjoying the beach or being where all the action's at? And you convinced me that I, I'd rather be in the desert where the action's at <laughs> than be on the beach. Because Tatooine is where things are happening. Um, so I would have to go with Chad. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. Dave, don't look perplexed. so sad, okay? You yeah. can smile, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm he's in, he's in shock right now. <laughs> he's like, I'll show them. All right. Uh Next, I, it's no, it's no wonder why you guys lost your <laughs> Careful, shots fired at the moderators. Wow, <laughs> right? Oh wow, let's rewind and see how many shots Chad took last week. <laughs> Unbelievable! All right, I'm surprised we didn't just end the podcast. Um, next question, uh, number question number seven of ten. Um, I, I'm sorry, Brian, but I'm asking this question. Yeah, so most emotional death scene and why. <laughs> most wow. most emotional death scene and why. And this one goes to uh, Dave first. Hold on, Dave. I think it's I'm, me, I think uh, it's me first. Clock ready. No, it's oh, is it Chad? I yeah. apologize. I was interrupted by uh, B-Nob and it threw me off. So He was just trying to get All to right. the timer as quickly as he could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chad. Uh, yeah. Uh, most emotional death scene and why? Go ahead. Han Solo. Um, easy pick, possibly. There are a lot of good deaths, good quote unquote death scenes, emotional ones. Uh, when it comes to the emotion, most emotional one for me, I believe Han Solo kind of takes the cake. Not only is he the most recent, so the most fresh on our minds, um, but man, he's been along for the ride for so long. He is a super popular character, beloved character. He becomes. He, com- he comes from the scoundrel out for himself to turning into a, a hero uh, for the Rebellion and father and husband. Maybe not the best husband, but you know what? That, that what makes him like us. We're humans, just like he is. He makes mistakes. Um, and he lives his life and turns himself around, becomes beloved um, hero many times over. Um, we see a compassionate side of him that we've never seen before in Episode 7 willing to do anything for his son um you know he had some of that for leia and you know he had that for jubaka but it was never portrayed verbally or with his facial expressions and emotions like it was in this episode to walk out to a a, a footbridge out above a chasm to bring his son back and which one of us that our fathers wouldn't do anything for our son no matter how, what they've done or who they've become there's nothing you wouldn't do. They can never go too far. You're always going to be their father, just like Han was for Ben. And he was willing to go out there and do anything to, to help Ben overcome whatever it is that he needed to. And we see him murdered by his own son. What can be more emotional than being murdered by your own child that only exists because of you bringing him into this world? And he puts a lightsaber through his chest. And even in the moment when Han is knowing he's dying, he is not going to make it out of this alive. He puts his hand on his son's cheek as if to say, it's okay. You know, I'm your father. I will always be your father no matter what you do. 
and strokes his cheek one last time as he falls probably dead before he hits whatever bottom there is. I don't know how you get more emotional than a son killing his own father and a father's love for a son willing to do anything. And we lost Han Solo that day. And it's, I, I remember the gasp audibly in the theater when we were in that moment of people that were just shocked and saddened when Han Solo died. So I believe he is the most emotional death, and those are my reasons why. All right, Dave. Well, in the words of Kylo Ren, thank you, Chad. Don't start with time yet. <laughs> All right, be, let me know when be the time starts. You <laughs> You're not in the debate, <laughs> B-Nom. <laughs> All right. All right, okay. Dave. Throughout Star Wars, there are many unfortunate deaths. Obviously, Han Solo is one of them, for example. But none of them, in my opinion, compare to the death of Anakin Skywalker. No one in the Star Wars saga suffered such loss or pain or conflict as Anakin Skywalker. Death was one of the driving forces behind his fall to the dark side. Throughout his entire life as a Sith Lord, he held on to the hate and the hurt and the need for revenge and the thought that he could earn or learn the power of Darth Plagueis to cheat death and bring back both his mother and Padme. With these power feelings, or, or these, with the power these feelings gave him, he committed these horrific acts. It was much later when the child he thought he had lost came back into his life that things unexpectedly changed for Darth Vader. He denied this, but the pull to the light grew within him once again, a conflict he hadn't felt in decades. After years of thinking he could turn Luke and rule the galaxy with his son, Palpatine made the decision that the boy would be destroyed. It was at this time that the unthinkable had happened. Through Luke's efforts, he who was more machine than man was now more Anakin Skywalker than Darth Vader. And like so many years before on Coruscant, he was faced with the same decision, but this time he chose to make the absolute sacrifice. He let go of everything he held on to for so long. He let go of Padme. He let go of his mother. And he focused on what was right in front of him, saving his son. Anakin's death was important in so many ways and his portrayal of him focusing on the present moment and listening to the will of the Force. It was the redemption of the most powerful Force user in the galaxy. Luke had finally saved his father, only to watch him die on the Death Star. The ominous, masked villain that we had all learned to fear, to our surprise, suddenly became the one we were pulling for. But our joy was quickly ripped away when we were forced to say goodbye that came all too soon. Anakin Skywalker, who the entire Star Wars saga revolved around, could finally rest peacefully in the Force. The emotions experienced during that crucial moment by Anakin, by Luke, by Palpatine, by all of us, were peaked. It was the death that truly marked the end of an era, and we've seen no other death have such an emotional impact as that one, in my opinion. I mean, talk about you would do anything for your son. Anakin made the choice willingly to die for his son. So I absolutely agree, and so did Anakin, at that pivotal moment, that emotional moment where he was feeling everything all from his whole entire life rolled into one moment and decided I'm letting all of this go. And I, it was not only emotional for us, it was emotional for all of the characters involved. It was emotional for the entire star Wars saga. Okay. Uh, Chad, would you like a rebuttal? Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, Vader paid for the evil that he lived his entire life. Um, once turning to Vader from Anakin, he lived nothing but evil out for himself out for the Darth Sidious, Sith Lord, living his life in a way to kill others. Yes, he saved his son at the end, but if you recall, he tortured his own daughter only a couple movies before, not knowing it was his daughter, but willing to torture anyone to get the information that he wanted. And you know what? Vader lived a terrible, evil life, and his death, the one last moment that he lived and in good, his life and that death paid for all the evil that he had done. Han, on the other hand, 
loved his son. We see in Empire's End him raising his son, little toddler Ben Solo running around, and the love that Han Solo has bouncing him on his knees, seeing him grow up to become a Jedi like Uncle Luke, and then the heartbreak of his own son churning and becoming evil, but then still being willing to go and die for his son, even though his son became evil. Most emotional death, I believe. Dave? Um, I don't think you can argue that anyone in the audience felt anything but emotions of elation and happiness when they saw Vader pick him up and throw him over the end, and Anakin was redeemed. The, The whole entire focus point of Luke trying to save his father, that's what happened in that moment. That's what was so important. That was what's so unemotional. Um... As far as Han Solo goes, I agree. It was a very emotional death. He was one of my favorite characters. It's tragic. It was very emotional. It came at the hands of his own son. But however, to most Star Wars fans, though we hated to watch it and though we didn't know where it was coming, that doesn't a lot make of us it less emotional. We were thrilled to see our favorite space scoundrel back at it again, but knew all too well that his role was simply to pave the way. So for that him. takes emotions that he, away, it was just right? Because it. it was. Emotional. I'm not saying it wasn't emotional. I didn't right. no, not at all. Didn't say it wasn't emotional. I just said it's not it's as emotional, emotional as Darth as Anakin Skywalker's death. Not at all. <clears throat> it didn't hold as much emotional because we knew it was coming it, at, at all. It hmm. was very emotional, but Anakin's was so much more emotional because of everything that it entailed, everything that it encompassed. He got his comeuppance. Poor Vader. Okay. Bnab, I think this is uh, your turn to score first. Okay, great, a lot of great death scenes. Ones that I thought that you guys were going to pull out was Qui-Gon Jinn, just because Obi-Wan, you know, you see him, this, he yells out no, fights his hardest against Darth Maul, you're cheering for him, he's about to, he flips over, he kills Maul, you're cheering, you're sad, you're angry, all in a bunch of emotions flying through when Qui-Gon dies, and then you see that emotional scene where he pretty much vows to train Anakin Skywalker with the rest of his life as his master's dying wish. Great death scene there. Another great one is Ishmi, how Anakin is literally rushes to her side, tracks her down, begging, and, and his mother just dies in his arms. Crazy death scene right there, and then you see him get real angry and just real, a lot of emotions going on there, um, especially the afterwards revealing it to Padme. Both great death scenes in the prequel trilogy. As far as your guys' death scenes that you created uh, or you chose, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Dave on this one, Chad. And the reason is, is that the emotion of redemption always trumps the emotion of rebellion. And for me, I always felt that Han Solo, yes, it was an emotional death and it was a great scene, but I didn't. I felt like it didn't pack the emotional impact that it could have because, and maybe it will be after the rest of the trilogy comes out, but I didn't really get Kylo Ren's, his motivation, any rhyme or reason other than just striking his father down. The, I felt like he had no emotion towards his father, and, and Han was putting himself out there, and it was a slap in the face. It was the last act of rebellion that his son could possibly do to him, the last possible thing he could do to rebel against him it was to murder him. Slap him strike in the face him down. With the lightsaber through the chest. Um, yeah. Right. And that, yeah, that's just, you're just like, you're uh-huh. a punk. That's what you're saying at that, that scene. And in terms of Vader, I, I mean, the emotional part for me on the Vader death scene is 
that Luke always longed for that relationship with his father. Even though his father was his dark Sith Lord, he believed in his dad. He believed that there was some good in him. And he finally got those those minutes, those seconds, that he had the chance of saying, I, I, you know, he had it in his heart, oh, maybe he'll survive this. Maybe I'll be able to have a relationship with him. Maybe I'll be able to really save him. And that's why when Vader asked him to put his mask off, he, you know, he's like, you know, he says to him, but you'll die. You know, he just, he knows that he only has like a few sincere moments as a father and a son. And um, I thought that held a lot more emotional impact to me than Kylo Ren and his, and his father rather than Luke and his father. All right. <clears throat> so I guess it's my turn. Um so the death of Han Solo, yeah, it was um, it was shocking. I do remember the uh, gasp of some. Uh, w- I think the second time I saw it, my children were with me, and I was sitting next to my youngest son, and I remember he actually even jumped, um, you know, when the lightsaber ignited. Um, kind of scared him a little bit. But... Uh, <coughs> um, I'm going to have to go with Dave and Vader and, um, you know, I think the advantage of that scene is you have the death scene and, and you have the reconciliation between the father and son and with the light and the dark, but then you also get the added benefit of seeing Vader in a sense, his, his funeral or burial. I mean, he was on the bonfire. Um, and that's a very emotional scene too. When when Luke's standing there, watching his, you know, Vader's body burn, um, and you can't help but think of, you know, especially now after in the age we live in, we've got to see Anakin through the prequels, just like the wasted life. You know, he he caused his wife to die. He didn't get to be with his children. Um, you know, and he, he helped build this empire, just, just the wasted life that he had. And although he turned back at the end of the saga, you can't help but feel like, man, this this guy just threw everything away. Um, so I think it was emotional. And you know, maybe this is a personal thing, but, like, he's the only character, like, not the only, but the main one that I wish was not dead because Vader's just a cool character, although... He's good now, in a sense. So, wouldn't be the same Vader, but I mean, he's one of the best all time. He is the best Star Wars character. So, uh, I have to give it to Dave and the death of Vader. So, um, all right, B Nob, you want to ask the next one? Next question is What is the cheesiest Star Wars moment? Cheesiest. <clears throat> Corniest. <clears throat> Lamest. Is that that's for? Mm-hmm. That's for me, right? Uh, yes, sir. So once my time no. start. Okay. Um, any scene with Jar Jar Binks? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm gonna say when Jar Jar Binks defeats all the battle droids in the battle, all the battle droids around him in the Battle of Naboo. Um, first of all, the character Jar Jar Binks was totally unnecessary. I don't think there's. There's probably only a handful of people in existence who would disagree. Um, it could have been 
somebody much more realistic. Uh, when Jar Jar is the focal point of a scene, you know it's going to be a cheesy one. Um, the entire premise, I would argue, of his character is to be cheesy. Um, however, the specific mode I'm talking about is the part in the Battle of Naboo. Earlier in the movie, he's banished from his underwater city for being clumsy, yet his clumsy character trait becomes conveniently useful when he's surrounded by attack droids. Um, that specific moment where he kicks a down droid and his foot gets caught in the wiring and then he starts wildly flailing about trying to break free and he accidentally triggers the droid's weapon, fatally hitting an enemy droid not once, not twice, but three separate times, all while covering his head in fear just trying to, like, hide. Um, again, as he's trying to flee, he unwillingly releases a bunch of uh, the Gungan cannonballs and several droid tanks, disabling them. Um, and then again, after getting stuck on another tank's turret, uh, one of the Gungan soldiers tosses Jar Jar a grenade and he bobbles it repeatedly until it accidentally hits the droid that's just about to kill him. Um, the whole scene, to me, makes kind of a, you know, a joke out of the very important battle that's taking place where literally his people are just being slaughtered all around him. Um, of course, most of these Jar Jar scenes were meant for children, both to sell merchandise and to give them something cheesy to laugh at. Um, during intense scenes where, you know, the importance might have gone over their heads. Ne nevertheless, they're all cheesy scenes. But this one, to me, I remember watching thinking, man, come on, man. I just, like, I wanted to see the, the real action, and, and here we're watching this this Gungan with his floppy ears and his weird language, and they're jumping around accidentally killing all these things. Um, so that's the moment that I'm going to go with. All right. Chad? All right, uh, for me, Jesus moment uh, in Star Wars, man, it's there. It's hard to pick out one's particular in this instance, but I'm gonna go with Anakin and Padme. Um, when I think cheesy, uncomfortable, just awkward and weird, and some of the things that are said in their conversations just makes you wonder while Jar Jar would make you laugh uh, there was no laughing when Anakin would say some of the things he said to Padme um, one of them B-Nob is real good at uh, rehearsing in a great Anakin voice about being the sand and all the places <laughs> it can go um, but you take the moment when uh, Anakin and Padme and Anakin obviously is uh, guarding her as a Jedi um, sitting at the table with one lone pair on her plate and they're talking about the galaxy and the things that Padme is doing. And for some reason, Anakin's, I know I'm going to impress <laughs> this fine young lady and I'm going to use the force to pick up this pair. And I bring this pair and he magically puts his hand up, pulls the pair over to his plate. <laughs> and instead of being real impressive and cutting it in midair, he puts it down on the plate. And then with his hands, picks up a knife and a fork and cuts through the CGI pair, which just looks real cheesy. And he picks up the one piece that he cut with the force again, waving his hands in the air and force pushes it slowly across the table to her, to her where she picks up the fork and pokes it out of midair and bites it and they giggle together. I mean, can you talk about a more cheesy moment that there is literally zero need, no rate, no, no battle droids have to be destroyed. We don't have to explain how they were beaten we don't have to come up with how do we get rid of all this this army, these enemies. No. They're just eating a pair, one pair. Anakin doesn't have any pairs on his plate. It's just one pair that they have to eat, and they have to have a conversation, and he has to show off a little bit. He flex his force muscles and feed her a pair by the force. I could name a dozen other cheesy moments between Padme and Anakin, but since it's one moment and not moments, I won't do that. But 
it's very rare that Anakin and Padme get together and there isn't something cheesy that comes out of Anakin's mouth or actions. All right, Dave, rebuttal. <laughs> rebuttal uh, that. There's 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 nothing I really liked about the scenes with them. They're they're romance scenes. Um they are definitely super awkward. They're they're cringeworthy to watch. It's like, oh my gosh, it's just <laughs> bad teenage flirting or whatever. Um, I will say that I mean, at least it, at least there's two human beings in the room act trying to act. Um, the scene in Naboo is completely CGI, where they literally could have did done anything they wanted to not make it that way. It had nothing to do with the the actors didn't have to do any weird things. They didn't have to make any weird dial. They didn't have to like. It was just all up to the people with the computers, and they totally put this stupid, cheesy scene in here where he's just accidentally killing. And they, they definitely didn't need to show that. The real thing was 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 when uh, Anakin was up destroying the thing that ended up killing all the droids. It didn't really matter what they did on the ground. They were about to be killed, so that didn't have to be shown. They just decided they wanted to put this comedy in here, this cheesy moment that was completely forced, whereas the romance between Anakin and Padme had to be shown somehow. Chad? Alright, um, if they didn't put that scene in with Gungan, which they could have totally done it any other way, numerous other ways, but waiting on Anakin to destroy the, the main ship, a lot of Gungans would have been killed, so they have to come up with something. However, the scene at the table, literally the movie would be exactly the same if that scene did not exist. And the only reason is there is for Anakin to flirt with Padme, and Padme you take, somehow you take the Jar Jar scene out, and it changes nothing. Somehow, the queen of this entire planet is like, hoo, 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 just, just goofy over what Anakin just just did with a pear, and he didn't even do a very good job at it. He cut it with a fork and a knife. Why didn't he cut it with the Force? Why did he just peel it with the Force? I just saying. and the whole time, the grin that he gives her and the googly eyes that he's given her, there is nothing more cheesy. Then the googly eyes you that Anakin the, gives Padme. You should have picked the cheese. We both should have picked the cheese line from that gif we posted, but that's not the scene you're talking about. <laughs> no, that's that the one not. we should have picked. Maybe, maybe Dang, it should why didn't be, I this remember one that still one? involves a real cheesy well, They had Anakin. to show. It was bad acting, man. I mean, bad acting. Real cheesy. All man. right, so uh, I'll field this one first. Um, <clears throat> so I'll say uh, I'm just going to – Go right ahead. Give my point to Dave on this one. Um, Chad, I like we were going with the whole Padme and Anakin thing. But number one, love is kind of awkward and, and weird and cheesy. And, I mean, I could think back to some things I've done that are awkward and cheesy in front of girls. Um, and secondly, dude, if I had the force, I would be force feeding pears to, to every lady that walked by, man. I'd be showing that off. You know what I that mean? sounds a whole lot different you, without out you're the side of the context word of Star Wars. Yeah, that, that word's not meant the same way. <laughs> please, Brian, please somebody word. get that episode and use it somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah. It's force feeding or That's something. Not uh, that, I don't think that I'd word means what you think it means. Force feeding women pears everywhere. Oh, force feed you this pear. Oh crap, I just uh, said it. You know what I mean. Um, but anyway. Do we? Uh, <laughs> Do we? So uh, the Jar Jar thing, you know, while he annoys me through a lot of the movie, yeah, I don't like the fact of it was it was extremely cheesy for him to uh, be this, this war hero accidentally. Um, you know, so, I, I, you know, good, good, good choice by Dave. My point goes to Dave. Force feeding. 
It's a good one. Um, okay, I said before the podcast, uh, both great choices, uh, but I said before the podcast that there is one particular scene that if you picked it, it's an automatic one. Chad was close. And the scene is in episode three where it's it, if it wasn't even in the movie, nothing would change, like Chad said. It's a scene where Anakin is like admiring Padme on the balcony and they and they have just this yeah, weird exchange. Back, just that's the scene from that that gift, right. you know? Yes, that's the scene, and that's why oh, I was laughing I, at you guys yeah. that you found it. Um, I totally forgot about the pear scene. Just block that out of my memory, and I'm having like a little <laughs> reminiscent time now. Right. I, I want to go watch Attack of the Clones it's a now. Scene. Uh, no. But so many scenes, Padme and Anakin. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is bad. Where she's like, "Don't look at me." You make me uncomfortable. <laughs> and then the next minute, he's force-feeding her pears after that. Uh, you know, the, the sand scene, okay? It's never going to be the same the, the, Even the scene that, that they're just, like, sitting in the fire, and he's, like, like telling her, like, how desperate he is. And it's just so weird. Um, okay, Jar Jar Binks is supposed to be the comic relief. It's going to be cheesy. Okay, because he's the comic relief. I get that, but when you're when you're like supposed to be really romantic, heart drive of the story is uh, is this romance, this forbidden romance, which is all of what Attack of the Clones is supposed to be about. Is this forbidden romance, and it's supposed to be George Lucas pretty much creating his Romeo and Juliet of the Star Wars universe and that's he talks it up like it's that in the in the special features of Attack of the Clones if that's your heart and drive of your plot and that's cheesy there's a problem <laughs> so I have to give my point to Chad Anakin and Padme are awkward and cheesy surprisingly though the last scene that they share before they go off into the um, into the little arena where she like like pretty much tells her her, her true feelings is probably is probably a, a it, it's a decent scene. The other scene where Anakin's blowing up about killing the sand people, that part. But it's just the other random ones in between the force feeding the pair, talking about sand, weird interactions, make it super cheesy. So my point goes to Chad. All right. A rare split decision can, can so far the, in this debate. Can we get the exact quote on that, Brian? Was it, I'd force-feed girls' pears all over the place? Yes. I would be force-feeding girls' pears. I would be force-feeding... I don't remember how I said it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go back and check yeah. the tape on that. I just want to... I want to... I'm going to write that down in my notes to remember years from now when I go back and look. What's this notebook have in it? Oh, yeah. I remember that day. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> no, sure. Nor should you be. If Brian had the force, right. he'd be force feeding people. And myself. All right. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, worst Star Wars episode or film or episode, however you want to describe that film or episode. Um. So, this question goes to Chad, I believe. Yes? Yes. 
Chad, you're on the clock. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay, I didn't hear you. I, great. All right, where's Star Wars episode? Um, after Brian just kind of rephrased it, I, I actually want to change my answer because something popped into my head just now, but I won't do that. The, the worst Star Wars episode that I have is episode one. Um, now, let me give you the reasons why. Um, Kid Anakin. Are you an angel? Jedi never die. Wahoo! He's a nine-year-old. Kid Anakin. I mean, get the guy a break. Hey, be not. Are you still What's happening right now? I got to defend Jake Lloyd, okay? Well, He's a helpless you want, kid. You want to just give your point to Dave? You want to just give your Jake point to Dave Jake Lloyd is right a now? helpless kid. Come Good on. Grief. I feel like b understands how this works. I'm just trying to defend Jake Lloyd, all right? Kid, kid Anakin, point number one. Number two, Jar Jar Binks. As Dave just mentioned, cheesiest Star Wars moment. Jar Jar Binks is that character. He is introduced in episode one by being tackled by uh, Qui-Gon and used to saving me life, sir. And he, he owes him a life debt now. And basically, Qui-Gon's like, no, that's I'm cool. Don't follow me. And here we have Jar Jar involved in everything going forward in the prequels. And then we have the Nemoidians, the racist Chinese aliens <laughs> that will have a part of the Trade Federation. I mean, talk about terrible accents, terrible direction in talking and these aliens and the, and the plans that they set up, how they're duped by Darth Sidious. And oh no, now the Jedi are here. And they leave the Jedi in the room, right? And they, they, they bring the poisonous gas in. And, and rather than just letting the poisonous gas kill them, they say, hey, let's open it up, let the, all the gas out, and then let's go finish them. <laughs> rather than letting the, the poisonous gas finish them because they can't hold their breath forever, let's go finish them. And then what happens? Oh, the Jedi come out, and surprisingly, they can beat everybody. But here come these two roly-poly droids with shields, and, the, and, and two Jedi are like, oh, no. There's two of these droids here we can't ever destroy. Let's run. Use our super fast four speed, which is never, ever used ever again, and run away from these two droids. There's so many things wrong with episode one that I just, it blows my mind. It's a, there are good parts about it, but the bad parts and the cheesy parts and the just awful parts in the acting and the writing and, and the CGI far outweigh the few good moments in that movie. And so that's why I say Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is by far the worst episode movie that we have to date. Jordicas, Chad, they're Jordicas. <clears throat> yeah, roly-polies. <laughs> All right, Dave. <clears throat> I'm going to go with what I think Chad wanted to change his answer to and say Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Um, was The Phantom Menace a letdown? Sure, but you remember the hype for the movie was absolutely insane. It had a lot to live up to, whereas Attack of the Clones did not. The bar was set pretty low. Um, aside from that fact, in Chad's opinion, it does have the, the cheesiest moment in Star Wars history, um, but this is also where George Lucas went full CGI on everything. At least Phantom Menace had some practical set pieces, whereas Attack of the Clones looked more like a video game than a movie. Um, where Phantom Menace gave us pod racing, Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, the Duel of Fates, the introduction of the great Sith Lord Darth Sidious and his political rise as Palpatine and all that being part of his grand design, Attack of the Clones gave us a very underwhelming Anakin Skywalker with a very stagnant and very forced, cheesy romance with Padme. Um, did we get to see some more lightsaber fights? Yeah. Uh, the Geonosis battle was a spectacle, because Lucas had to do something to combat the heavy, drawn-out, and awkward dialogue scenes of this movie. Um, was seeing Yoda 
finally wield a lightsaber cool? Absolutely, but I don't think it was as cool as watching the Duel of Fates with that music going in the double-bladed lightsaber and all that. I know you hate that, Brian, but it's cool. <laughs> um, one of the better storylines of Attack of the Clones was how the Senate ends up getting its army. However, it was maligned with the idea that it had to be so ridiculously, clean, so ridiculously connected to the original trilogy that it was Boba Fett's father who they were cloned from. I mean, this movie grasped to make so many connections left and right rather than allowing the story to thrive and flow on its own, and it downplayed what could have been some great story arcs. Then there's the completely unnecessary and overplayed Geonosis scenes, where we're simply given action for action's sake, Padme running along conveyor belts, avoiding presses, R2 flying around, stopping molten metal from being poured on her head, C-3PO bouncing from platform to platform just to make jokes, all of them fortunately missing certain death and destruction by mere chance. It's as if that section was literally made up on the spot. But my main issue was that this was the chance to start showing the Jedi Apprentice who would become the great Anakin Skywalker of the Clone Wars, one of, if not the most powerful of the Jedi, and we have to sit through cringeworthy teenage flirting in an, an Anakin that we couldn't believe sounded actually more whiny than when Luke complained about going to pick up power converters. Um, the prequels were Lucas's shot at giving us the backstory of the mysterious and powerful Darth Vader, and this specific movie had great potential to deliver on that, and even had the bar set lower than expected by its predecessor, which in my opinion makes its letdown even more disappointing than the Phantom Menace. And so I would rank it as what I uh, think is the worst Star Wars film episode. And that's my reason. Chad, rebuttal? All right. Uh, if episode one had been a good film, episode two would have much better history and building blocks to build upon. The fact that episode one was so lackluster and so disappointing and so not what people expected and a letdown to so many people across the world, episode two was coming from behind. So were it not for the terrible movie that episode one was, episode two may have actually had a chance of being a much better movie than it was. But episode one failed to do that. We, we got the midichlorians introduced, which haven't been used since. We had had a terrible, again, Jar Jar Binks introduced. Yes, episode two... They had awesome Jedis. More Jedis than we'd ever seen. The moment we'd all been waiting for. Tons of Jedis. Lots of lightsabers flying around. But episode one, we got two running away from a couple droid cars from... Uh, episode the, two was again, overdone. The Jedi were overdone. Chinese, <clears throat> racist, it, Nemoidians. Just the Phantom unnecessary. Menace. Terrible movie. The Phantom Menace was a bad movie, yes. So it would have been so Thank much you. easier for the second movie to be... A better movie, but it wasn't. But it they was had the worse. build I mean, upon the first terrible movie. They were doomed to, before they started. It, 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 what is that noise? <laughs> um, That's being No, there, there was no... It, if the movie was so bad, the first one, then it would have been easy for the second one to be better, and it wasn't. It was worse. It was just Usually bad. when you have a good foundation, I mean, the next layer can be better. We had better, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks was a political po- opponent? I mean, what in the world? How right, did the Jar Jar Binks get on the Senate? That was exactly, and they introduced this, him this in Episode movie. One by being saved yeah, from running over. They made the mistake over. of making him a senator in Episode they Two. They made the mistake of inventing him in Episode One. Oh my gosh! They made the mistake of not making this movie better than the first movie. That's where the mistake was. No, they made the mistake of having the first movie terrible to begin with. It is terrible, but it's not worse than this one. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, that, that's the whole point. You started that's why off I wanted to change your foot. answer to this one, by no, the way. No, I'll tell you what my answer of thought. That. I'll right. give that's you my... why you wanted to change be- this one. best part you, of that when, was when... when di- huh? Yeah, you didn't what? come through, Chad. What would you say? I, I stopped talking. Oh. 
<laughs> this, there's like a lag in your video, so sometimes it doesn't match. But the uh, uh, best part of that was when Dave yelled, what, what is that noise? It's <laughs> yeah. B-Nob crackling. Yeah. Also a microphone that he's got. Yeah. You, you'll get no, used to that after a while, Before you give your Dave. points. Yeah. Before you give your points, I was thinking, when you said film movie, immediately I said, why didn't I say the Christmas special? Right. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah. But then Brian. When I said that, episode, right, but then Brian yeah. said movie, movie film. Well, I only said that because some people, some people call them films instead of episodes. Okay. That's that's what I meant. Fair by enough. That, so. But that's why I didn't do that. So anyway, um, never mind. All right. Well, Bnob, I think you get to go first here on this one. Um. Uh, okay. Both of them very compelling arguments. Uh, it w- this was a tough really? one for me. Um. <laughs> He interrupted me defending my point. Uh, yeah, I thought that both of you brought very compelling points. Okay, I'm going to defend a little child. Okay. <laughs> During my debate point. Sure, fair. How dare you, sir? Leave the child alone. Right. I got to I got to I got to take care of the little kids, all right? Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> We're a weirdo. Force feeding pears to women and taking care of little kids. Um, I gotta give my point to Chad. Because I felt, and, and, and this is where the argument got, is that I felt, okay, there is no reason for a 10 year gap between episode one and episode two. And, and I felt that it, it was like they were trying to restart the prequels because they were they were trying to make up in episode two for all the nonsense that they had in episode one. And if episode one set the set the trilogy on a better course, then episode two would have been better. I I agree with that argument a hundred percent. So I got to go with Chad. All right, <clears throat> I. Uh... I have to go with Dave on this one. Um, you know, I think episode one has one of the best endings in Star Wars with the uh, Duel of Fates. Um, introduced some great characters, Qui-Gon, Phantom Menace, um, whereas in Attack of the Clones, didn't really get that. Um, <clears throat> as well as... Um, you know, there was no good villain in Attack of the Clones, in my opinion. Um, you know, at least Phantom Menace, you had you had Darth Maul. You didn't have something like that. And um, when you had Dooku and you have Grievous, but um, I hated Grievous and Dooku was boring. So, um, and much of it was the love story between Padme and Anakin, which was extremely boring. Um, I did, however, enjoy the uh, scene on uh, was it is it Camino? Is that the name of the planet uh, where they the build dro- the clones? clones? Um, yeah. I enjoyed that. I don't agree with you know what they did with uh, using Boba Fett as the uh, clone maker, um, and I hated the whole arena scene, the whole thing, the whole thing with the arena. I hated. Um, so anyway, my point to Dave. I do have a question, Dave. Because um, you're reading your 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 thoughts on some of these, and that's fine. My question is, did you write these? All right. 
they're really well written, so I'm not, you know. Dave's I guess that kind of comes as an insult. I had to rewrite them and stuff so they'd fit into three yeah. minutes. That's why I have to talk so fast because some of it's yeah. a lot of information. No, very good. What'd you say, Chad? Dave's a great writer. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Ellen Sleesbagano didn't take me as well. Yeah, no. I mean, it sounded like, <laughs> to be honest with you, that one it sounded like a real like critics review. I was actually pretty impressed, though. So. Um, <laughs> where Chad, you on the other hand, Thanks, just sounded man. like you were kind of rambling. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, that's because he was going. Ur, 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 ur. <laughs> I was just, just kidding, Chad. I hate you. I hate you. All right, guys. This is it. We're in the in the final question. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Should be a good one. It's it's me, right? This one goes to Dave. B knob. I'm just going to ask you if you could just stop making that noise. I know the listeners won't be able to hear it, but it is uh, all up in my earbuds. I'm sorry. All right, (laughs) thanks, buddy. Just sit still for like about ten minutes. Be great. (laughs) All right. Um. So the uh, the last question: best pilot in Star Wars, and you had some options. The options were Anakin, Vader. Okay, we take that as a whole. Uh, Luke, Han, Poe, or Ray. So, Dave, you're up. And I'm first. Uh, I'm going to go with Han Solo. Um, there's no question that Solo was an extraordinary pilot. Uh, I don't think anyone can question this, but uh, I don't have to convince you of that. I just have to convince you of why he's the best. So here's the most important things to consider. First of all, he has no formal training whatsoever. With the exception of Ray, the rest in this list have military pilot training. So he's at a disadvantage there. Also, he's not Force-sensitive, which at least three out of the four, if not all of them, are Force-sensitive. So he's at a disadvantage there. Nevertheless, he's called an exceptional pilot, enough so that he's considered to be on this list. And he got this incredible reputation flying what, boys? A cargo freighter. Not a starfighter. No. A hunk of junk, as everyone called it. But it was it because he had this incredible ship? Well, you hear him talk about the Falcon making the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, and most people think that says how great the ship is, but it doesn't. That's also how great the pilot is. In Star Wars, parsecs aren't a measure of speed, but a measure of distance. This has been verified in other films. For those of you that don't know, the Kessel run was an ex- extremely dangerous smuggling route that involved several extreme changes in velocity in order to jump to and drop out of light speed with the minimum time spent out of hyperspace while making drops, pickups, or tight turns. The Kessel Run record became a highly sought-after prize by smugglers because it was said that the pilot who was able to make the run while covering the shortest overall distance demonstrated the most adept maneuverability and pilotage. And let's not gloss over Solo's maneuverability skills. In the first Death Star battle, he managed to fight his way through all the TIE fighters and defensive turrets to where Vader had all of his efforts focused on in order to aid Luke using a cargo freighter. He's outran and outmaneuvered several Imperial blockades using a cargo freighter, and in Empire, his piloting skills successfully navigated him through an asteroid field using what? A cargo freighter. And as C-3PO tells us, the odds of doing that are approximately 3,720 to 1, meaning for every 3,720 times you try to navigate an asteroid field, you're going to fail 3,719 of those times, but Solo gets it right the first time every time. Ray called the Falcon garbage in The Force Awakens. Why? Because it's not the ship that makes the legend, it's the pilot. And Han Solo is not a military trained pilot. He's not a Force-sensitive pain pilot. He's just the best pilot. And that's why I picked him. All right. He stands oh, out. Go ahead, yep. Among all of these special, trained, 
special force sensitive people he's just a regular human you know like chad said the best race in the whole star wars galaxy um although all the rest of them are (laughs) but he's not special in any way other than just having learned flying and he just did it in this cargo freighter i mean he applied other things before he got to that point but all of his special feats were done in a subpar vehicle compared to these starfighters that were faster more maneuverable and all this other stuff all right chad you're up okay uh best pilot in star wars i believe is anakin slash vader um while han solo did not have force abilities vader anakin did and man did he take advantage of that um because of those powers i believe there's no one else in the entire on this list that uh, is better than anakin at nine years old he's pod racing where humans don't pod race one and nine-year-old humans definitely don't pod race and win he is a great pilot still as a child he flies a naboo fighter which goes on auto flight up to the droid uh command ship and people are getting shot down left and right he says let's take this thing off of autopilot i want to control it and as a boy he's able to fly this naboo fighter into the command ship take out the shields and save everybody the cheesiest star wars moment down on naboo and save the gungans and everyone else by destroying all the droids um as he gets older he flies jedi starfighters like no one else he's able to take off all these little buzz droids that are attacking his ship he's able to knock them off his master obi-wan ship as they're flying through space super fast he's able to crash land a jedi starfighter into a small window on a giant ship that the force shield is closing and he's able to scoot it in there land without being damaged so they can go in and save chancellor palpatine he also when they do save chancellor palpatine the command ship is falling into orbit it is being pulled down by gravity and it breaks in half they lose all their control and he still is able to land this giant command ship which i don't believe he ever flew before but because of his ability as a pilot he's able to land it on coruscant without damage to himself to obi-wan to the droids that are with him or to chancellor palpatine saving his life and then we get to vader and vader flies all over the place if you look in the comics and uh when before in between episode four and five he is shown flying up up the carrion spike which is mentioned before with the force he is able to control a plane or another ship while he's flying his own star or his own tie fighter he flies the carrion spike through the force and is able to locate it and fly it via space only because his meditation chamber was on there he was able to sense it and he was able to fly the carrying spike the one that's able to stealth cloak he was able to reach out with the force and fly that ship while on another ship i don't know how you get more better of a pilot than being able to fly two different ships at one time not even being on one of them there's no doubt that anakin slash vader because of his force abilities and just the natural gifts that he had is the best pilot on this list dave in any in any competition like this when you're comparing people you have to look and you have to consider the advantages and the disadvantages um we're not talking about like what he's done with the force or whatever if he's using the force to be able to to guide him and do stuff like that that makes him a good pilot but compared to his time in the air like uh obi-wan said he was the best pilot that he knew well that's you know he only knew all the people involved then han solo wasn't even in the picture when we look at han solo now 
He's completely somebody with no special powers whatsoever. He can't be led by the Force. He can't be guided by the Force. He can't trust in the Force because he doesn't have enough midichlorians or whatever we want to call it in him to be able to do that. He's just all natural raw talent. Um, there's not, there's, there's obviously no question to me that the rest of these people on the list are exceptional pilots because the fact that Han was, is, was mentioned on this list tells me that he's equal with these people. So that's why you have to break out the disadvantages and the advantages. Whereas he has absolutely all the odds stock, stacked against him. And as we know, he's going to beat the odds every time. So... I mean, do what you will. I just, I still think he's a better pilot. All right, uh, you're right. He can't use a force, which makes him not the best pilot. It makes Anakin the best pilot because he has access to that ability. That doesn't work against him. It works for him. So Anakin is a better pilot, maybe because of the force, maybe. But that's be- makes him mm. the better pilot. Han is really good, like you said. Everyone on this <clears> list, great pilot. I there were, I struggled with who to guess with this one. But, I thought you were sure that he was a better. I'm are sorry. You not, are you? Um, did I not Anakin convince you? Are used, you questioning? Because you was said able to maybe he's numerous ships. Han, I didn't. You talked about the Millennium Falcon, the hunk of junk that he used pretty much in all your examples. Anakin was able to fly numerous different kinds of ships, from pod racers to <clears throat> Naboo fighters. To it's canon that Han Solo. I'm saying in your it's, examples, it's canon that Han Solo could fly a bunch to of ships before giant command ships to Jedi starfighters. Well, I'm, to TIE I'm fighters, able to give examples to right now. Every of canon. kind of ship that you can basically think of, Anakin flew those, and those are my examples on why he's a better pilot than Han Solo is. All you got to do is watch Han Solo fly, man. <laughs> he takes it every time. The guy can't lose. <laughs> all right um being out of this year's this is the last question this is going to determine the winner i don't know if you guys have been keeping score um but we are tied neck and neck all the way through it, yeah, it comes so, down to this so technically in my mind chad needs to take both points because he won by lying <laughs> the first question i'm sorry are are we done debating are you guys going to give the points or are we allowed to talk about the first question again we weren't debating anything we were just talking about the debate that we're completely on all right brian give your points i don't agree with the points dave got either (laughs) (laughs) i didn't lie about anything you admitted to it i don't agree with the points dave got either (laughs) all right all right so um I'm going to go with Chad. Dave, I feel like if this question was asked after the Han Solo movie, you might have a chance because I have a feeling we'll probably see his piloting skills shown off a lot more in the new Han Solo film. But to this point, I think I've seen, you know, I think Chad did a good job of recreating a lot of the moments of, Anakin's uh, piloting skills. Um, I completely forgot that one where he landed the ship as it was crashing onto Coruscant. Um, and then, yeah, just the fact that he started when he's young, he's flown multiple um, ships. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Chad. I think I think Vader would be better than Han Solo. Uh, B Nob, it's in your hands, man. This is it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Chad right for the same reasons. I mean, yes, I, I, I've heard that Han Solo is a great pilot, but if you could think back to the moments throughout, besides the Astro Field, 
you can't really think of any other great moments that you saw him flying around. And in the Astro Field, he just hit in, a, in an asteroid or an, a monster, practically, um, through that whole scene. Um, I think I think we've seen some better Falcon maneuvering from Rey on Jakku in The Force Awakens than we've ever seen Han Solo whip that, whip that ship around. Um, the thing that got me, though, is, yes, I understand the pros and cons of Han is not Force-sensitive, but Anakin is. And, and you know, I kind of try to negate that argument um, on either side. But the thing that got me for Chad was the is the variety, is that Anakin shows his A-game no matter what ship he's in, whether it be a pod, pod racer or a Naboo starfighter or a Jedi starfighter whether it's a speeder, random speeder he picks up in the garage of a of a of a random building in, in Coruscant to chase after somebody through the busy streets of Coruscant to big heavy machinery, it really doesn't matter what this kid's flying; he always gets what he needs to done. And so I got to give the point to Chad for Anakin as the best pilot in all of the galaxy. All right, we have a winner. Chad, 11 points. Dave, 9 points. By far, I think this was... Congratulations, Chad. I accept this because you had to beat me by two. In my I, I think this was the closest one we've had. I, I don't know that... Uh, obviously, I got shellacked, so ours wasn't close. It's obviously the closest yeah, one we've and had. I don't remember uh, the score of B-Nob and Dave, but, um, but very well done. I think it was 12 to 8. So, 12 to 8. So, for the record, though... Um, Chad, what were you lying on that for? It's over. You won. Congratulations. Were you lying on the first one? Not intentionally, but I do believe upon further study, it does not say anything about human specifically. Wow. <laughs> but during during the buddy one by two one by two during my talking, that so. wasn't that wasn't my intent to uh, to actually straight up lie. Yeah, what we should have done after all these debates is do like fact checking, like for the next podcast. But I, yeah, we're we yeah. Anyway, that well, was, yeah, that was that was tough, Dave. That I mean, uh, I expected it to be kind of the way it was. I did not necessarily expect it to be tied going into the last question. Um, but man, I was I felt like going into this last question, I'm like, ah, I'm gonna lose. I just know it because I felt like you were way more prepared for that question than I was for some reason, and I just I was ready prepared to lose after that, but. Obviously, I didn't. Well, you didn't, Dave. How are you feeling right now? <clears throat> I'm I'm uh, perfectly fine with the results. I am more upset, honestly, at the questions <laughs> than I am at Chad's performance <laughs> and my performance. <laughs> how many I questions think that did we Chad start and off I? With? I think Chad and I did incredible. Uh, I I've I've been spending my entire <laughs> week, uh, like like literally like like five six days researching over 20 questions because we agreed on so much and i've read and then, some of the uh, same things you were talking you were saying i'm like oh yeah i remember reading that i remember research we literally yeah. looked at the same things. i think i think we've probably arguments. i probably asked you guys me and bina around 30 questions and the problem is you guys kept agreeing on everything so these are literally like the only ten you guys disagreed on. So, <laughs> and they're the uh, only open-ended ones where you could pick anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime you narrow it down, it's you guys are always agreeing. So next, chat. Next one will be the best river. 
<clears throat> on a planet. Right. Well, I definitely don't think we could do another one till after uh, Return of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi. Uh, the last, uh, the last Jedi. Um, but Chad, so that's it, man. You're the grand champion until then. How do you feel, man? Hard fought. It was fun. I enjoyed these debates. I enjoyed moderating them. I enjoyed the ones I was part of. Uh, it definitely made me. The research is fun. I learned some things um, that I didn't know on my research, and I've learned some things on everyone's answers. Um, and it's been a great time. It's been fun. I'm happy to be the victor, but I will not say that I am any better than any of us because we all have a vast, deep knowledge of Star Wars, and I am proud to be on the podcast with you guys. Aww. All right. Well, well done. Thanks, Dave yeah. and Chad, for uh, preparing. And then also, uh, Chad... Um, Congratulations again on your grand champion um, win there. Uh, for winning, you get absolutely nothing but uh, but our admiration. Fair. So, yes. Can I interject one thing real quick? Yeah, go ahead. To the listeners of the South Dakota Gamer Podcast, hi, it's me, Chad. Um, if you recall listening to last week's episode from us, all you have to do to get entered to win a PlayStation 4, and this could include you two, Brian's, um, you just go and let us know which question and which argument was the best. Or not which question and which argument, but which argument from the questions of the 10 we went through was the best discussion, the best Star Wars argument. Let us know which one you think. You get an entry in to win a free PlayStation 4 from the South Code Gamer Podcast. Thank you for that there moment, you go. Brian. Brought to you by Star Wars Ramp Podcast. Just kidding. I'm trying to hijack your contest, so... Um, no, that's fine. Yeah, if you that. haven't, uh, and if you haven't checked out their podcast, South Dakota Gamer Podcast, uh, Dave and Chatter on it, as well as Josh Owens. Very good podcast, enjoyable. They just did their E3 predictions um, a, a week or so ago, and I think you guys just had another, obviously another podcast shortly after that, just posted up. Um, so give it a listen. If you play video games, you'll want to hear the stuff they're talking about. In the meantime, we're going to sign off. It's it's late. It's 1 a.m. over in my world. I don't know what time you're listening to this, but uh, that's what time we're recording it. So appreciate everybody staying up, uh, Dave, Chad, and B-Nob, uh, and getting this done. Um, any last words, gentlemen? May the force be with you. Good night. I second both of those. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, Join us next week. We'll be back to our regular podcasting episodes. Until then, have a great week.